In this episode, we are joined by Dave Brink, and we are going to be counting down our Fab 15 bass players. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you along with your Papa Dave. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Okay, every time. You guys, you, every time with that joke? Well, tell me to say something different. Okay. I'm not going to now. Okay, Might next time. Different episode. Okay. I'll, no, we'll switch it up. Okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll ask you to say something else. Uh, hi, how you doing? I'm okay, how are you? I'm doing all right, I guess. Uh, we are here today to do our Fab 15 bass players, a subject close to my heart, and probably to yours as well. You play bass too. Uh, a little, I, yeah. Yeah I've, <laughs> yeah, I've played bass for 30 years this year, uh, and you've played... All in, all in one year, you've played for 30 years. Yes, this year I've played 30 years of bass. Uh, no, this is my, this is my 30th year as a bass player. Uh, and you played bass in one of the bands that we were in. Was that uh, Blue Tattoo? Was that Blue Tattoo? Yeah, Blue yeah. Tattoo did, melded into whatever the other one was called. Oh, for Two Hangmen uh, that we did. Two yeah. Hangmen, and we called it Social Gospel for a while yeah, and yeah, got off of that. Right. So That's right. Um, yeah, for a few years I was kicking around on the bass there. Yeah, so we both liked the bass. Mm-hmm. And this list kind of seemed inevitable. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I've, I've, got some, I've got a lot of thoughts. This one was a hard one for me to write, because uh, uh, my my honorable mention list is crazy. I will say in advance, my Fab 15 list is mostly aging white men. There's nothing that yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I like a certain type of music, and that tends to be a bunch of old white guys right now. So my honorable mentions get a lot more varied. Uh, but that, so I, I kind of went the opposite. My okay. list is quite varied. Okay. Well, maybe not quite varied, but more varied, I guess. I, I think I just leaned more toward people that I'm influenced by, you know, and that's just a certain subsection of music. And sure. that's who plays that music. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, no, so, uh, yeah, so I've, that's interesting. I took an, a different tack to it. Yeah. Entirely. I, there's a handful of, you know, I just want this person on the list. I've got a little bit of that. And then um, people that I thought universally just deserve to be on the list. Sure. But, uh, you know, I narrowed it down quite a while ago to, I think, 20. Yeah. I probably have like 20 that, 20, mentions. 21 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I narrowed that down because um, I just said, well, people that are too obscure just left off. Sure. Um, but... When I was finishing the list this week, every time I cut it and changed it, it broke my heart. Yeah, so I, I had to take somebody off, and it was like, oh, I can't take that person off. But and then, and then yeah. you know, got to what I thought was a final version, and went, oh my god, I forgot, you know, so and so, and then had to redo it. And there was one that I did not put on because I figured it'd be on your list, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's it's I, and I went real high on that for no reason. Yeah, Sorry, everybody. Fine. That's fine. I, I'm actually interested to see what I actually say is my number 15, because I'm, I'm torn between two, and cutting either one is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm still not quite sure what I'm going to say is my number 15. But before we get there, we've got a little bit of website ID and stuff to do. Okay. So we'll do that. If uh, you want to check in on Mondays with Dave, you can do that over at his blog, davidbrink.home.blog. 
Uh, he writes something just about every week. Every now and again, you have to stagger a little, but usually, usually every Monday. I did skip one week yeah. just to see if anyone noticed, and no one said a thing. Well, I mean, which was interesting. Th- there was but... nothing to reply to. Right, like, but, you know, you know <laughs> nobody went. Hey, did you do? You know, so nothing. Um, mm. So I mean, we're all busy. <laughs> yeah, no, there was one week I, I intentionally skipped, and every once in a while, like if I'm sick or something, I'm not gonna write. But sure, there you go. Sure. So uh, we're currently in the middle of nostalgia November. Yes. So, there you go. Yeah, I've been enjoying the Nostalgia November posts. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, davidbrink.home.blog if you want to read up on the stuff that he talks about when he's not talking here. Uh, when he is talking here, or when he's not, when I'm talking here, the show has a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. It's available on all of the apps, including the one that you're listening to it on now, I bet. Uh, If it's not where you want to hear it, let me know, and I will do what I can to get it there. If you like me, and you want to know more about me, go on over to DerekBrink.com. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, which there's a little less of in these episodes, because it's a long list situation, but, you know, the intro music, stuff like that, if you like like what you hear, go on over to DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com. You can download anything that I've got there for absolutely free. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and I don't collect your email. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And if you want to email the show, talk to me, uh, you can do that by emailing my initials, db at derekbrink.com. I reply to everybody who isn't mean to me in their email. That's uh, that's all the stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's all the stuff. I got all the stuff in. Uh, so, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, I think everybody probably knows the rules of the Fab 15, but in brief... Uh, we pick a topic, we go away, and we each write down our 15 favorite or most relevant whatever thing related to that topic. We don't compare lists until we sit here in front of the microphones and talk to you. That's, uh, we then kind of compare and see what we have in common and come up with the final 15. Uh, we really only ever decide on a number one and we don't and occasionally really, a two or three. But yeah, that's... we don't go much deeper than that because yeah. this thing goes long. So we... well, it goes long, and you know, it's it's all preference. So yeah, it's absolutely. just fun to talk about, and hopefully fun for people to hear us talk about. Yeah, I hope so uh, too. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I was reading while I was trying to talk, and I can't do both. It turns out. Uh, I will say on this one. Uh, although, based on what we've both said, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I, I have a suspicion our number one might be real similar. And I'll tell you this, if we if we don't match on our number one, I will eat a sandwich. I, I, had, a sandwich. I had a sandwich earlier, so okay. just in case. <laughs> just in I, case. We... <laughs> I, got, I got ahead of the game. Okay, um, good, good Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, yeah, we maybe we flip-flop on like number one and two, I don't know. Um, that could be. That's, yeah, because I, I wrestled with exactly where to place a few people. Sure. But most of this list, you could uh, you could change things around and put them in different places, and I'd be fine with it. Okay, yeah, you know, I mean, I've um, got that for a lot of the list. My top yeah. four were pretty well locked, like, almost immediately, but... Yeah, um, and then I, uh, you know, like I said, I did a little bit of, uh, I just want this person in here, and I decided to give a little love to a few people that maybe get overlooked. Sure, I did a little um, bit of that. Yeah, my, my honorable mention list gets in, into, like, I, I'm going to be real brief when I finally read it, but it gets into Yeah, I only have a handful really of people on the about. final mention, and it's mm. be- and four of them, five of them, are people I had on the list, 
Yeah. And I just, I had to cut somewhere and it broke my heart, each and every one of them, because they all deserve to be up there. So yeah, there you go. I absolutely understand. I had a lot of, a lot of ones I wanted up there on the list that didn't quite make it to, but that's, that's the nature of the game. That's how it works. Yeah. So we're about to get into the list. Uh, but before we do, Dave, what are you thankful for? <laughs> Lists. Wow. <laughs> no, a, I didn't know that I, that I was going to, there was going to be a pop quiz. There was, I, I didn't either until I just asked you. <laughs> we're coming up on Thanksgiving. I think this episode will probably come out on Thanksgiving for all the people who don't like talking to their family and want to put in earbuds and listen to me, uh, you know, or I guess us. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, you Thank know. You. Huh? <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, you're here too. I'm. It's it's been a long week, man. Well, you know, you listen to your Alice's Restaurant and then listen to this. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Pretty much then watch it, planes, right? trains, and automobile. And that's true. You know, automobiles. Pardon you know, me. really outside of the food, you don't really need much else. No, not you at know, all. The, if you know, if you're fam, you're not a big family person, or if it's not happening for you this year, you know, we got you covered. We got ideas. Yeah. So you know, you're all good. Maybe you'll find something on this list to listen to. Well, hopefully. Yeah, we hope. You know, yeah. um, you know that's, uh, I have a, I don't know about your list. My list is a mix of people who are uh, timekeepers. Sure. And uh, just groove people and a, other people are technique guys or and gals. So. Yeah, mine's all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so uh, maybe you'll, uh, maybe you'll learn a name or two um, and figure out something to listen to. And of course, I'll uh, put a... Uh, playlist together on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's the other thing I wanted to promote. We do. He does the Spotify thing. Makes lists of uh, songs related to what we talk about. Yeah. Whenever so, possible. Yeah. Um, every yeah, if we do like a TV or movie one. It's hard. Yeah. Um, there's one for soundtracks. That's just a song per soundtrack. Yeah. Like I'm not putting. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So look for Papa Dave, and we'll link it to the blog, right? Yeah, it'll be on the blog. Okay. So go to the blog for the show and yep. uh, that'll be linked in so Empty you can checking.blogspot.com yeah so you can listen to how whatever i put together from this yeah uh in advance checkmates i am working with a different pen than i usually do for these things so if you hear a lot of this sorry uh using hmm. a parker jotter it's one, one of my pen, pens of choice but i usually try to use something a little bit quieter doing this but this is what i have That's so hardcore behind the scenes stuff right there Okay, we get it. Yeah, if you hear the satisfying <laughs> click of a Parker Jotter. Uh, okay, I think it, I think we just need to start getting into the list here, because we've got a, a ways to go. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of conversation here. Like I said, I'm interested to find out what I'm going to do with my number 15. But first, let's find out what you're going to do with yours. Okay, so my number 15 is, again, giving some love to somebody who deserves it but never gets it. Mm-hmm. The one and only Michael Anthony. Also on my list. Yep, should be. Um, and the reason Mike is on the list is because he is solid. Absolutely. Okay, so he may not be the world's greatest technician, but let's think about it for a minute. You're playing under Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And you got his brother Alex doing double bass work on the drum and yeah. doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Somebody's got to hold that thing together. Yes. You know, somebody's got to take that that space and fill it with something, you know, and... Uh, Mike was great at that. Mike was great at his job, you know. Uh, some of the recordings he's done after Van Halen, uh, some of the stuff he's done with Sammy Hagar and yeah. whatnot, uh, a little bit more expressive. Yeah, Not a whole yeah. lot, but a little bit more. Uh, but he's a solid guy. Um, you know, I've it, his parts are exactly what they need to be for every song. Yep. 
You know, um, there was really only once on record, I think, when he... It was a few times, I guess, when they let him loose a little bit. The mm-hmm. one that comes to mind is Pleasure Dome. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. Uh, someone told me one time that Eddie played the bass on that, and it wasn't Mike, but he did it live. Yeah, sure. So I don't know all of that. Uh, so there's a few of the weirdo songs on, like, Women and Children First when they got right. a little crazy towards the end of that record. But uh, anything you hear Mike play is just solid, straightforward um, you know, good bass player. And that's what a bass player's job is. As much as we all love the flashiness and the complicated parts, bass player's job is to hold down the rhythm and stay in that pocket and make it groove. And that's what Mike did for Van Halen. So uh, because of all the rest of the drama about the band and all the other people in that band, he uh, doesn't get the love that he deserves a lot of times. So I wanted to shout him out. Yeah, very good that's shout out. Uh, I would, I mean, I would also add what a gift of a background vocalist. Well, true, but we're not I mean, on background. Yeah, I know, but you, <laughs> if you're talking about Michael Anthony, you have to, like, sure. the, you think about the harmonies in Van Halen, it's Michael Anthony. Yeah, it's all him, yeah. Yeah, he was just fantastic at that. I mean, the he also, like, as a bass player, you know, kind of coming up, I was going, oh, hey, it's, I, I, I mean, it was one of those things where I kind of went, I can play these parts, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, which sounds like it, he's playing simplistic stuff. He's really not, though. He's playing really fast 16th notes. It's a workout that's for hard the right to do. hand. It's very hard to do for those of you who don't play. That's really fast, and it's a big workout for your right hand, but it was kind of, oh, I, I, I'm learning this technique with my right hand, with my fingers, that I'm not going to get from many other bass players. I'm learning how to really lock into playing that fast, you know. And uh, as, as a young bass player, you know, listening to that stuff, it was one of those things, absolutely no offense to anybody that I've been in a band with, but it was one of those things where like, oh, I can play these bass parts. Pity I don't know any guitarists who could play the guitar parts. To the, you yeah, know, right. Well, you can't do these in a band, you know. Uh, but as a young bass player, listening to Michael Anthony was inspiring in that way, but it was also inspiring, you know, kind of, he always had really interesting bass solos live. And uh, yeah. like... The, I mean, the the my go-to track that I kind of wrote down in the margin was the uh, ultra bass solo from the live right here, right now record. Uh, His bass solos were weird. They were weird. It but was they were basically him trying to see how many different sounds he could get out of that thing. Yeah, and as a, <laughs> and as a young bass player, that was really intriguing. Uh, it was one of those that might have been the moment where listening to the live right here, right now record that might have been the moment where I went, oh, you can put effects on a bass. You yeah. can put like an echo on a bass. That's so cool, you know. And it just sort of structurally changed how I thought about the bass and playing with effects and that kind of thing. And uh, I mean, everything that you said. Plus, I wanted to add that. Basically, he I'm just rock solid player. But also, yeah. if you look a little bit deeper, there was a lot more going on than you think. You know, and most of the time there is. But it is important, though. Uh, just as an aside, as a young player or a old guy who decides to take up, you know, an instrument, whatever it is, it's important to have things that at least sound like, oh, I can do that. Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely important, you know, because I listen to some people's like, I could never do that in a million years. But, you know, that's when, you know, you hear the Ramones, like, I can play that. Yeah. Or I can learn that. Yeah. And then it just goes from there. So that's uh, very, very important. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think the song that I had pegged was actually an earlier one because you can hear the bass better. Mm. Um, on some of the early stuff, I sure. thought uh, the uh, "Ain't Talking About Love" was a good one. That's a good to one use for him, because uh, actually Mike kind of got shafted a little bit later on because Ed started playing um, 
guitars that were a little bit more, uh, what do I want to say? Low-end heavy? Low-end and mm -hmm. all-encompassing. He was doing uh, yeah. trouble and uh, bass too. So Yeah. Uh, and he got buried in the mix a little bit between everything else. So the later years, even though he's probably doing some better stuff here and there, it's a little harder to hear. Yeah. So I yeah. think uh, that was my choice for... Uh, song for him is because uh, you know it's uh, it's not a super flashy part, but it's very important and it's nice. You can hear it real well in the mix. So yeah. uh, that was my uh, my choice for him. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. All right. So that's I mean, another good one for him is uh, and well, we've got to move on. We, we can, can do, do this, this forever. We can do yeah. an hour on Michael Anthony. But another good choice for him is people don't realize that the the first thing that they lock in on uh, on uh, uh, running with the devil. Bomb, yeah. Bomb. Mm -hmm. Bomb. Bomb. It's the bass. Yeah, and yeah, that, you he, know. he was foundational to that. You, you know, yeah, and that's a, yeah, that's a good choice too. Um, so yeah, any of that stuff, honestly, if you wanted to, I tried to when I was picking my songs to go because we tried to, I tried to pick a song for sure. each person. I, did I tried too. to go away from the absolutely obvious one. Sure, but uh, you know, yeah, running with the devil. That's a that's iconic. Just that yeah. beginning, um, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we could do this with everybody, go through a billion sure. songs. But uh, yeah, so my number 15 is Michael Anthony. And what did you decide for your 15? Uh, first of all, that was an excellent number 15 for you. He's way higher on mine, but that was, thank you for having me. Well, like door. I say, it could be, <laughs> we could change this around and I'd be okay with anybody being anywhere almost. My number 15, I've landed on who I'm going to go with. Uh, honestly, is my second choice. He was late to the list. Uh, but I, I have to put him on here because of innovation, if nothing else. The inventor of the 12-string bass, Tom Peterson of Cheap Trick. Uh, you know, I thought about it and I didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a really good choice. Uh, Tommy is, uh, and it's already breaking my heart looking at the other name. <laughs> I really hope he's <laughs> on your list. I really hope he's on your list. We'll try. Uh, but uh, Tommy was, was and is another one of those guys who's just solid. Mm -hmm. Like not flashy. There's. It was actually kind of hard to you know pull a song as the example as what you know. Well, listen to this for what Tommy does on the bass. I mean, you know, there's he does the intro to "Waiting for the Man" and whatnot live, but that's usually more experimental than anything else. Right. Uh, the one that I sort of wrote down in the margin for him is "Gonna Raise Hell." Yeah. Uh, okay. Because yeah, he mm -hmm. he has a real sort of moment he where carries the melody for a yes, while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's actually what Tommy does. That's his role in Cheap Trick a lot because you've got Rick Nielsen over there playing a bunch of stuff. You got He's playing whatever. Yeah, whatever he <laughs> feels like playing at the time. Sometimes it's a sousaphone. Uh, you've got Rick Nielsen just go nuts over there. You've got Robin Zander, who is a perfectly competent guitar player, but he's not doing anything fancy. He's holding on rhythm. Yeah, yeah, he's he's essentially filling the role of the bass player, kind of, in, in, in a lot of bands. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Peterson, with that 12-string bass, people don't understand the 12-string bass. It's uh, I've always described the 12-string bass, which, by the way, I have one of, uh, as being like playing a bass and an acoustic guitar at the same time. Right. And Tommy invented that, and is obviously the master of that because he, he made it. He changed the <laughs> instrument, you know? Like, a lot of my list is people who change how you think about the instrument, and Tommy definitely did that with the 12-string. 
if you listen to a lot of the, well, I mean, a little less now because they've got extra musicians in the band and stuff now. But if One. you listen, well, yeah, but <laughs> it, it's it's a guy doing a lot more than sure. what his dad is doing. Uh, Robin Zander's son is in the band. Robin Taylor Zander. There you go. Uh, but yeah, if you listen to some of the cheap tri- cheap trick stuff, that's just like those four guys. Uh, Robin Zander's there, just kind of holding down rhythm, and Tommy is playing stuff that, like, oh, he's filling the role of, of a rhythm guitarist. Like, there's a lot of songs where Robin doesn't play anything and just sings, and Tommy's filling the role of the rhythm guitarist by just kicking on a little bit of distortion in his mix and filling out that sound, holding down the low end, but filling out the sound harmonically in a way that most bass players can't because they're not playing a 12-string. Yeah, and it's a, it's a beautiful-sounding instrument. It's wonderful. It does add a little depth mm-hmm. to some of the songs, especially on the early recordings when the uh, guitars weren't quite as heavy as they are now. The right. later stuff, the guitars got heavier from the 90s on. Right. Guitars got way heavier, way louder. When the guitars got heavier, it didn't really matter as much that he had the 12-string. He still did. Sure. And it still sounds great. Mm-hmm. But um, the early records, when they were just a little thinner, that bass really sounded different and kind of drew you in yeah and your casual listener may not even notice no but there's something yeah you almost have to play one (laughs) but there's all something a little bit different about their bass sound uh and that's what it is if you've ever gone that sounds a little different well that's that's it yeah you know the other place you know a 12 string bass from uh uh opening lines of jeremy by pearl jam that's a 12 string bass yeah that's 12 string bass Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's you, and you have Tommy Peterson to thank for that song. Yeah, and yeah, sounds. Tom Peterson, just yeah. you know, uh, like you say, solid player. You can call him very... Tommy, like I know him. Yeah, <laughs> you should, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. Um, like I say, solid bass player, but also you know, very melodic bass player, and partially because of what he's playing, but his lines are very fluid and very melodic. So, yeah, yeah, no, and no great pop rock player. So yeah, totally deserving to be on a list. I just. Uh, was another one that fortunately I just didn't have room for when the people I'd show. So there you go. Yeah, I just came to me late. Just I heard a cheap trick song on shuffle on my phone. Went, oh my god, Tommy's not on the list. Yeah, you know, and I keep calling him Tommy. Sorry, everybody. Although who cares? Uh, He's <laughs> probably not listening. Yeah, probably not. I mean, who knows? But probably not. I would, <laughs> I would love that. Like he's super into the show. <laughs> There's something about that that would make me happy. Uh, what would also make me happy, though, is knowing what your number 14 is. Okay, number 14, I don't think is anything you would have put on your list, but maybe, you, well, what the hell do I know? Okay. Um, <laughs> I hope I, I pronounced the last name right. If I don't, I apologize to the fans that are going to yell at me. But uh, Tina Weymouth from Talking Heads. I'm not even close to on my list, but the, keep talking. Okay, so... So to speak. If... Anyway, the reason I chose her is I was uh, on kind of a new wave kick here recently. Sure. And, it's uh, hard not to be. Sure. And one of the uh, Talking Heads songs came on, and I just automatically got put into the bass. I can't remember which song it was now, uh, but I kind of started listening to the bass line. You know, we all know the bass line for Burning Down the House yeah. and for um, Once in a Lifetime. Yeah. Everybody knows that, but that's really kind of a... Those are straightforward somewhat simplistic lines but they sound really cool yeah but listen to psycho killer listen to oh, what yeah. she's doing in psycho killer There's it's a lot fantastic going on. Yeah. she was also in tom tom club oh, which I didn't know that. made um uh what's this song i should have written it down 
I want to say Gen not Genesis of Love, Genius of Love, something like that, but it was one of those songs that's sampled and sampled and sampled and sampled and yeah. you hear it all the time. It's one of the, you know, I couldn't tell you what the lyrics are. There are lyrics I couldn't tell you. Sure. I know the James Brown part in the middle when they'd go, James Brown? Yeah. James Brown, that part. Genius of Love. Genius of Love, thank yeah. you. I knew it was something like that. Um, it was just slipping my mind at the time. But that song's, everyone has heard it. You don't know the name of it, but you've heard it. It's sampled. And uh, her lines, the more I started kind of listening to a few more Talking Heads tracks, oh, let's go in a little Talking Heads rabbit hole here. You know? yeah. um, her, not only was her sound really cool and inventive, but her lines are, uh, there's a lot going on there, and I don't think you really notice it all the time because of the artistry and the, you know, whatever it is David Byrne's doing at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but really solid bass player, and I don't think anybody really gives her the love she deserves, at least not in the circles that I've gone in. So I uh, thought it'd be nice to, uh, you know, give give her a shout-out on the show. So Yeah, she was not on my radar, but that's uh, I mean, that's a good pull. That's that's a good uh, good add to the list for sure. That's uh, I, I mean, Talking Heads in general are probably most people don't quite appreciate what's going on there. Sure, there's you a know? lot. Yeah. I mean, just, I, 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 I think to some people, maybe the artistic sort of look of them is a little bit off-putting. They're like, well, that guy's in a big suit doing a weird dance. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, sort of willfully, particularly David Byrne, tries to be off-putting in some ways. Uh, you, to, to, yeah. ne to sort of call down the audience to who he actually wants to listen, you know? Well, sure. And either you're into the artistry of it or you're not. Yeah. I and mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah. But once you get beyond that, uh, the songs are really good. And I don't like Burning Down the House. I'm not a fan. Not my favorite. But no. um, I do like a lot of other Talking Heads sure. songs. And, uh, you know, Psycho Killer, I think, is probably my favorite. That's a good one. At this point. Yeah. Um, recently covered by Duran Duran, which was interesting. Oh, that's right. But yeah. still but still pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm probably a once-in-a-lifetime guy. Yeah, once-in-a-lifetime. Uh, uh, wild, yeah. Wildlife, I, I love yeah, that sure. one. Uh, you know, there's, we could, again, we, Take could, me go, to the we river. could go on, Take yeah. to the River. Which that's is not, a cover, but, you know. It's a cover, but it's another good one. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a very good ad. I, I, again, not on my radar, but that uh, maybe, maybe should have been. Tina Weymouth. Uh, at my number 14 is someone that I hope is on everybody's radar, but most people probably don't even know his name. Uh, I had to I had to have some muscle, muscle shoals on here. Uh, David Hood. Okay, not on my list, but be oh. but because I knew it was going to be on yours. Okay, that's, that's fair. Why? Because I, I do that then, sometimes too. Yeah, and that gave yeah. me a, that gave me an excuse to put a few on one of somebody else on, you know. So, but yeah, yeah David Hood, absolutely. Yeah, David so go. Hood. I, I I honestly don't even have a go-to song. It's too hard. Because uh, David Hood, folks, if you heard something out of uh, Muscle Shoals uh, for decades, it was either David Hood or it was Carol Kay. Yeah. I mean, you know, David Hood was the other person that wasn't Carol Kay. He was with the Wrecking Crew, and, you know, uh, he he played on, he definitely played on things that you know. <laughs> but I, I don't know what to tell you to listen to, but he definitely played on, uh, turn on rock radio. You're going to, you listen to it for a half hour, you're going to hear... One to five something. David Hood bass parts. Uh, one of those guys who just, again, really solid guy, capable of being flashy, but most of the time that's not what he was brought in for. Uh, just a solid, solid studio musician. And it is hard to be a studio musician. You have to know your stuff 
like the back of your hand in your sleep while probably on some kind of substance at the time. Sure. You had to come in and just nail it, and David Hood was that guy and remains that guy. He keeps showing up and, you know, playing awesome stuff. Go to his website. I think it's davidhood.com and just look at the list of stuff that he's played on. It's breathtaking and shocking and you'll go, wow, if I made a playlist of just the songs I know, it's three CDs. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, that's, that, I, I mean, think... David Hood just needed to be on the list. Yeah. One of the um, songs that people would know, and it may or may not be one of his better ones, but one of them that people would know is I'll Take You There. Yeah, Staple, it was on I'll Take You There, Staples, yeah. Staple Singers, and that's yeah. one, everybody knows that song. Yeah. Um, and My it's, uh, it's audio not a, capture looks crazy on that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, uh, it's not actually that complex a song, but the sure. bass line is very flowing and... Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a oh, lot of Pretty much song. makes it. Yeah, it's um, a lot of the so song. So that's a good one to listen yeah, to for him. That's an excellent choice. Let's put that on the Spotify playlist. If he makes the final fifteen, I don't. Whatever. Right. He, you know, I, I'm gonna argue. Well, for I made him. a list of uh, <laughs> a private Spotify list of all the stuff that I went through. Sure. So I got a whole bunch of stuff on it. Sure. But, um, yeah. He's, he's, but yeah, no, he's David, gonna be one I argue for. At the David end. Hood is uh, definitely one of the great all-time bass players, and again, one that no most people don't know. Don't yeah. Know who he is? Yeah. So father um, of one which, of the guys of, of in the band on your shirt right now. Yes, uh, right, exactly. Father of Patterson Hood of Drive-By Truckers, but uh, mm-hmm. which may be how he's better known right now. I don't know, but... Could be, he, uh, could be. Uh, yeah, David Hood created uh, such a good musician that he created a legacy of musicians. There you go. So, I mean, you can't ask for more than that. If you're going to pass something down, why shouldn't it be something awesome? You know? <laughs> Fair. So, yeah, that was my number 14 is David Hood. Perfect. And I'll take you there as the go-to song if we need it. Uh, that brings us to your number thirteen. Okay, so my number thirteen. I went. In the, you know, we're switching gears here. Sure. Going into the uh, heavy metal realm. This is probably on your list and higher. Uh-huh. Um, and like I said, at this point from here on out, we could range it any way you want to. But, sure. Uh, my number thirteen. I put uh, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. Definitely on my list. Definitely higher. Okay. Sure. Steve Harris, um, you know, and people who aren't metal people are going to, you know, eh, whatever. But yeah. uh, you you want to talk about a busy player. Oh, God. <laughs> um, not only, and that's part of just the what they do, but there's a uh, what's referred to as the Iron Maiden Gallop. Yeah. And that's all Steve, because it sounds like a horse galloping mm-hmm. along. That's dun, what he's doing. Yeah. So he's playing the same speed that uh, Michael Anthony is playing and doing the same yeah, stuff. Just with a different emphasis. Different yeah. emphasis, yeah. But uh, especially in the early days, you could really pick his bass parts out because of the way oh, yeah. that the sound was. And the uh, it was the early days of uh, the British wave of heavy metal. So yeah. the earliest... Um, parts of metal really and so the guitars didn't sound like they do now even in iron maiden which has retained a similar sound throughout yeah. uh the guitars didn't sound the same way the bass used to pop out yeah and there are so many tracks that you know and steve harris writes a majority of iron maiden's tracks yeah, quite a bit. writes them on the bass and then goes shows them to the guitar players so yeah. they, then they have to then they have to figure out what to do with that yeah uh but we were <laughs> listening i was listening to the number of the beast album sure uh right around halloween that's a good time for it. <laughs> why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. Um, and my son was in the car, and uh, he kind of says, you know, the bass and drums are really locked in here. Yeah. And it was... Wow, good for him. And it was like the whole 
album because yeah. he said it during Run to the Hills, and then Gangland came on, and he's like, still, yeah, you know. So, uh, and Gangland is not one of the greatest Iron no, Maiden but, tracks, yeah. but from a rhythmic point of view, it's really it's cool, really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that whole album, you can pick anything. He's like, that's fine, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. Killers is the same way. That album. I mean, he's sure. got so many within Iron Maiden and within the heavy metal community, so many iconic bass lines. Base fills from Wrathchild through Infinite sure. Dreams and sure. on and on. So, um, you know, very influential for the world of metal. Uh, busy bass player, but you know, doesn't waste anything. Yeah, nothing's wasted. It's not not busy to the point of being distracting. It fits the song, sounds great. Um, and he's got a very, it's kind of a clanky sound a little bit. Oh, yeah, bit. it hits the pickup a lot, which but, they, you try to train that out of yourself as a bass player, but he leans into it. And he just it, goes for it. Which is why I lean into it, too, because I love yeah, Steve Harris. Because <laughs> it's just, it's a sound that nobody else has. Many yeah. have tried to sound like it, but they, they don't. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Steve Harris, uh, absolutely uh, a influence to anybody that likes hard rock or heavy metal. Total influence for everybody, so... Definitely deserve, deserve to be on the list, I think. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely echo everything that you said. Uh, I would add the song that I wrote in my margin was The Clairvoyant. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that just it starts with the bass. Uh, it just, it's just such such a good player. Uh, people, the the criticism I hear from people who are real really into the technical side of the instrument is, well, he hits the pickup, he's really sloppy. Like, no, no, that's on purpose. Like, yeah. he, he likes the way that sounds. That's that's a choice, mm-hmm. you know, because I've heard him not yeah. do it. Because he doesn't do it on every song yeah. either. Yeah, I've heard him the not do it. The slower songs, he doesn't. Yeah, he, he wants the rhythmic clack. That's part of driving the song forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I mean, you were talking about the bass standing out on the early tracks. Really, one of the first guys, and I don't know if this is on him or on the producer, but one of the first guys to really figure out how to mix the bass in class, in, in classic metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first guys to kind of realize, all right, there's a frequency that it needs to fill, but if you tweak it just a little bit in the mid range, you can really hear it, you know. And and that's a that's a skill that people really need to learn in today's world with our you know laptop and cell phone speakers. The bass just gets lost unless you mix it like Steve Harris does. Yeah, it really, yeah, it really does get lost. That's kind of the shame about. Doing a Spotify list is like, well, you can't hear it on half the Spotify stuff. But yeah. you have to play with your equalization or just turn it up really loud. Yeah. Um, or go yeah. to a stereo. Like buy, to, buy yeah, a right. CD and play it on a stereo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, and Maiden fans are hiding in plain sight, too. Cause oh, I've, absolutely. I visited a church not too long ago that had a praise band, and I am... 90% sure the guy was playing a Steve Harris signature. Oh, sure. Just due to the color, the yeah. coloring of it. I couldn't quite see the headstock, but it's yeah. like, that looks like a Steve Harris piece. <laughs> so yeah, he's, that was he's awesome. had a couple different models of the signature. Mm-hmm. signature. It's weird that I don't own one. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the current one, I don't love the colors is the thing, mm. but uh, yeah, he's had a couple signature ones out there. Yeah. Uh, so but yeah, Steve your... Harris is a great ad uh, at your number 13. He's considerably higher on mine, but uh, uh, my number 13 is a guy who we talked about and gave a lot of praise to on a previous episode. Uh, Want to just praise him some more here. Uh, John Deacon from Queen. That was one of the heartbreakers that I took Ah. Oh. 
because oh. because we talked about him, yeah, and I well, thought that because we'd already done it, and we he was on one of the other lists. Yeah, okay. that's a bad reason. Uh, well, I, I you know he wasn't on one of. The, we were talking about Queen. Well, Queen was on. <laughs> the, yeah, well, so he's on the list by default. All right. <laughs> I, I disagree with your reasoning, but well, I, you know, I, I, like I understand I said, I, it. Like I said, I had to, I had to break my heart, my own heart, quite a lot. Wow, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> look, checkmates, listen to the Fab Fifth Queen episode. We yeah. talk about John Deacon a lot because he's a great bass player and was so foundational to that band. Uh, I mean, you can say foundational for almost any bass player because the bass is kind of foundational to the sound of any given song. But uh, it, it, John Deacon, I mean, Under Pressure, Another One Bites the Dust, those are the go-tos, you know, for mm. the songs that if you want an example of what he does, it's that. Uh, but he goes nuts in some places. Like, I want it all during the solo. Yes. E- everybody's listening to Brian playing the solo, and Brian's playing a great solo. But John Deacon is going all over the neck. Just all over the place. And I tried to learn that as a kid and went, I, what? How do you, you know? But it taught me a lot about how to function scales into a song because he's a very scale-based player. And just a phenomenal, phenomenal player who gets overlooked because he's in a band with quite probably the best singer of all time and one of the best guitar players of all time. Right. And just in a band that is harmonically noted for being incredible, mm-hmm. he's holding down the low end of that harmony and doing it in a way that makes the rest of the song shine. That's that's really one of the gifts that he has as a or I guess had. He's kind of stopped. He's still He's still living, but he's kind of stopped playing. Yeah, uh, It's one of the gifts that he had as a songwriter and as a musician is he would play in a way that wasn't even necessarily simplistic. I mean, we've talked about that a little bit already in this episode. People just kind of just kind of holding it down, just kind of being solid. He wasn't even necessarily doing that, but what he was playing was highlighting absolutely everybody else in the band. He was doubling at times. He was, if he was holding back, he was doing it because whatever else was happening was more important. Sure. He, he just knew how to find his spaces, and more than that, he knew what everybody else's spaces were and how to highlight them. He yeah. was really an incredible serve the song. Musician. Yeah, serve, serve the, song. the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So John Deacon was an easy add to my list. It's actually a little surprising. He's as low as number thirteen. Uh, but that, uh, yeah, I had, him on, I had him on for a while and yeah. it's a no yeah. brainer for me. I, yeah, I know. I, it was apparently a brainer for you. <laughs> it, well, it was, it was overthinking is what it was. I overthought this list. That's, That's a brainer. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brainer. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I agree with everything you said about John Deacon. Just, you know, fantastic. I don't really have anything to add at this point. So okay. there you go. Yeah. And if you want to hear more, go listen to the Fab Fifth Queen episode. Yeah. That's easily findable over at emptychecking.blogspot.com or on your app of choice if you know how to work it. Which I don't. <laughs> uh, but we <laughs> we are now uh, on to number 12, and uh, it is your turn. Okay. Number 12 is, uh, again, a session guy, but a session guy that also does live stuff, too. Um, people, people, some people know the name, but not everybody. Nathan East. In my honorable mentions. In your honorable mentions. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Great choice, though. That was so, hard not to put on there. Yeah, see, that's the thing. So um, a lot of people in rock circles know him from his work with Eric Clapton in the 90s, yeah. 
late or 80s and 90s, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he's done a lot of stuff, worked with everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, he is the bass line. He, he's the uh, bass player on the song Footloose. Yeah. He also is on, and people think this is a cheesy song, but you can't deny the rhythm on it, Easy Lover. Oh, Phil is he? Phil Collins okay, and uh, Phil Bailey, right. yeah. Said, uh, you There's cannot no deny that. that, you know, the rhythm on that track. I mean, yeah, you, know, yeah. you I can say, Tony Levin say or what you want about Phil Collins. He both sure. does and doesn't deserve it. Sure. But, um, you know, that track's got it, man. So, uh, you know, I've, anytime he pops up in anything, I'm like, oh, cool, Nathan East. And I pay attention to the bass. Yeah. You know, now I don't necessarily have a lot of the recordings of recordings with him, I have some. Sure. Um, when I'm looking into it, he did a lot more uh, R&B soul stuff that I just don't necessarily lean into. Yeah. But um, fantastic player. Um, he was. I think he, we we saw him play live with Clapton back in '90 or whatever it was. I think he. I believe that's was right. Was in yeah. the band at that point still. I believe so, that's correct. Um, yeah, but yeah, just a really phenomenal player and uh, a name that isn't necessarily as well known as some of the others. So yeah, um, you know. Yeah. Try to get that. Trying to get that out there. Get some love going. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't have a lot to add because he didn't quite make my list, so I didn't do the deep dive. But I, I just—he is one of those guys. That especially if you're a bass player, you jot his name down when you're making this list. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just—he's gonna be. I mean, if if this were uh, like my list leans heavily into just you know my quote unquote favorite bass players are the ones who influenced my playing the most. Mm-hmm. It leans heavily into that. But uh, if I were just making a list of bass players that deserve to be mentioned, yes, absolutely is on there. And that's you know? what I did. I actually yeah. left so off you, some of my favorites. So you did what I didn't, and it's yeah. Kind of so hopefully, hopefully better. we'll yeah. uh, come up to come up with a good compromise in the middle. Yeah. But yeah, so I took off some of my favorite, some of my absolute favorites. I took off because sure. well, I think this person should be on the list. So there you sure. go. Yeah, a lot of my shoulds are in the honorable mentions, and that's yeah. starting to feel like a bad choice as this is going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Nathan, Nathan East was definitely on that list of uh, honorable mentions. I just crossed him out so I don't mention him again later. Uh, but uh, very good choice. That's It's uh, nice to hear his name. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, All right, number 12 for you then. My number 12 is uh, another, uh, another no-brainer, but uh, also, is it Paul McCartney? Also on my list. Okay, good. Uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, you know who Paul McCartney is. The very first Fab 15 was a Beatles episode. You can go back and listen to that. Uh, Paul McCartney of the Beatles and of Wings, mm-hmm. uh, to another extent. Uh, he, uh, uh, he's Paul McCartney. He, he's one of those guys who, I mean, everybody knows he's an excellent songwriter, obviously. Sure. I mean, he wrote a hit, you know, as easy as some of us fall asleep. You know, he, mm-hmm. he and John Lennon used to have a thing of, well, let's go write another swimming pool. And yeah, right. Just, you know, they could just churn out hits together because they're both incredible writers. Everybody respects Paul McCartney on that level. Uh, or if you don't, then you're just denying it and you know what you're doing. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> you know better. But we all understand that about Paul McCartney. People overlook how really great of a bass player he is. Yes. And I overlooked it for a very long time. I overlooked the Beatles for a very long time, somewhat intentionally, just, you know. A lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. And but my, sooner or later, you know, you you kind of have to give it to the Beatles at yeah. one point or another. Yeah, I'm sure we got into this in the Beatles episode. We probably but, did. But yeah, love the Beatles, and we all understand that. But we don't 
so many people have just no idea how great a bass player he, he is. Well, and how influential. Yeah, he's another one of those guys who changed the instrument. Uh, and, and and yeah, I'm sorry, you you said how influential, and I feel like I'm stepping on what you were going to say. Well, no, say. not necessarily, just, but mm-hmm. you have to realize that there are an entire generation of bass players that learned to play by listening to Paul McCartney. Yes. I mean, you know, there are, you know, those are the guys that came up in the 70s. Sure, they had a lot of other influences to draw from, but Paul was probably their first and their biggest one. Yeah. You know, they didn't play guitar. Everybody and their brother played guitar. They decided they were going to try playing bass. Who are you going to listen to? Yep. You know, and so a lot of, uh, so you can hear a lot of people kind of pinching Paul's early stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> when you listen to Absolutely, it, you know? yeah. He, he, uh, he, as I said, he changed the instrument. If you want, I mean, the go-to Beatles bass song has probably come together. But if mm-hmm. you uh, if you want a good example of Paul at his best as a writer on the bass, watch the Get Back documentary and watch him uh, writing Get Back. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have another. See, those are both both excellent choices. Uh-huh. My choice for a Paul song though with the Beatles. Sure. Don't let me down. That's a good one. Yeah, he's doing a lot more than that. He's doing I mean, a lot more on that whole album than well, people sure. realize. Uh, which I, I kind of didn't realize how much he was doing on that album until I saw the documentary. I, I knew he was more intricate than people gave him credit for, but sure. Yeah. You know, watch that documentary going, wow, he, he kind of doesn't need those other three guys, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's that good of a bass player, that good of a songwriter. Uh, I think some of that just comes from, he also plays piano and knows how the left hand is supposed to move. Sure. Uh, and he just, he, he plays the bass like it's a piano. He, he plays the bass like it's a piano. Yeah, that's very true, actually, piano. now that you say that, yeah. Uh, one but of even the, if you listen to the early stuff, I mean, you know, he was not only laying it down, but pushing it forward, too, Yes. you know? Yeah, he was kind of the glue that held that band together. I mean, him and Ringo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and Ringo was a monster in the early days. Absolutely. Paul McCartney wrote bass parts that told you what the rest of the song was. Yes. You know, and that's that he was gifted in that way. Still continues to be gifted in that way. Uh, we just got a new Beatles single, you know, for the mm-hmm. first time in uh, 30 years, I guess, since the 90s with Free as a Bird and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, with Now and Then. Uh, or as the Ruddles would call it, uh, Now and Also a Little While Ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a Ruddles reference for those of you who... Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, Paul McCartney... Undeniable. The Beatles are undeniable. Paul McCartney had to be on my list. I'm glad to hear that he's also on yours. Yep. Unless you have anything to add, I'm, I'm ready now for your number 11. Okay, my number 11 yeah. is Paul McCartney. Okay, well, that was... <laughs> Would you like to add anything then? <laughs> I, I don't think we need to. <laughs> no, I think we're good. I think we're good on the uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, my number 11 is a complete left turn from Paul McCartney. Uh, my number 11 is getting into the weird stuff, because you got to have a little bit of weird if okay. you're going to talk about bass players. My number 11 is Les Claypool from Primus. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But okay, yeah. <laughs> it's fair enough. Les Claypool is one of those guys who is, uh, he's become synonymous with the instrument, like since the 90s. Sure. Uh, you know, Primus was fairly huge in the 90s, especially with uh, Jerry was a race car driver and My Name is Mud. Those are probably two of the go-tos. Uh, although, personally, I'm a Herald of the Rocks guy. But, uh, I was like, too many puppies. That's good, too. Too many puppies. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he is just one of those guys who plays the instrument in a way that nobody else thinks to play it. 
uh, he's uh, it, it, we've we've done a lot of talking about how this is just a really solid player. He's just holding down the song. Yeah, Les Claypool has no interest in that. He does not do that. <laughs> he's just all over the place playing whatever he wants to, just getting whatever he can out of the instrument, driving it into places no one else would think to drive it. He's he's so he's so innovative. It almost doesn't make sense. And yeah, you kind of listen to almost anything that he's done and kind of wonder what's wrong with his brain. There's something yeah. something a little off in there. Yeah, yeah, this boy's different. And <laughs> uh, and for a long time, as a young bass player learning the fundamentals and all that stuff, I kind of couldn't stand him. I would listen to his stuff and go, and I, I don't know what he's doing, man. Like, why is he trying to... What's he trying to prove? And what he was trying to prove is that he's one of the best bass players walking the earth. And mm. he did it. Uh, he, he just, uh, once I opened my ears and mind to, you know, absorbing what he was trying to do, it was like, oh, this guy is just on a level that I don't understand yet. And I might not, you know, he's just doing stuff that is incomprehensible to me. And it's incomprehensible to a lot of people, except for Primus fans. Right. Uh, and uh, I think the point where I really started to learn to appreciate Les Claypool was when we saw Primus open for Rush Yeah. on the Counterparts tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that very well. Yeah, it was just one of those things where, like, I, I think I was familiar with My Name is Mud and with, uh, you know, race car driver. Jerry was a race car driver. Uh, the drummer in the band that I was in at the time really liked Primus, which makes sense because also excellent drummer and Tim Alexander uh, at that time. Uh, I believe it's a different guy now, but anyway. Uh, I just remember sitting there and sort of feeling like, all right, well, I've got to get through Primus to listen to Rush, you know? So that was sort of my mindset going in. And by the end of the set, I was like, oh, Les Claypool is somehow, in a way I can't quite explain, charming as a frontman. Yeah. And just kind of like, oh, okay, I, I, I actually kind of like this guy. Yeah, I kind of like this guy. Let me hear a little bit more of what he's doing. And then kind of listening and going, oh, he's he's doing so much and is just having fun doing what he's doing and is just all over the place, but clearly having a blast being all over the place. And that started to appeal to me. And I went out and bought, you know, the Caesar Cheese album and Frizzle Fry and whatever was out at that time. Pork Soda. And, uh, yeah, it was Pork the Pork Soda, soda was the tour, with, I think. Yeah, I think that it had to be, because My Name is, is Mud was huge at the time. Yeah. And uh, by the time Tales from the Punch Bowl came out, I was a Primus fan, you know, and uh, he just he he's another one of those guys that just reshaped how people thought about the instrument, because he didn't care what you thought about the instrument. And he didn't <laughs> he didn't seem to care what he thought about the instrument. He was just in it to have fun and to be weird and to yeah. just do something no one else was doing. You know? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um I I never really became a Primus fan. Um I liked them better than I used to, if that makes sure. sense. But yeah. um I was never a big Primus fan. I did like some of his uh his uh, offshoots and his side projects a sure. little bit better. So I'm more of a song orientated person and when the songs are kind of not songs yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it can be a little hard to take sometimes but uh from a talent level that whole band oh yeah very very talented um you know and so yeah i agree with him that you're with you that he's one of the uh premier bass players of the modern age it just you know just not being really a fan of what he does it was hard for me to sure i didn't i didn't really think about it too long Sure. As far as inclusion, but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, as far right as uh, what you're saying about Les Claypool, he is 
uh, a very good player, and it's probably to everyone's advantage that he never he didn't make the Metallica audition. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't know that audition for Metallica, and they were just like, "No." <laughs> I believe his comments on it was he went in and was like, "You guys know any Isley Brothers?" You know, right? Uh, and they were like, "No." Yeah, but uh, I remember seeing them with Rush. Uh, you at the time making the comment of, "Yeah, this is." You're seeing two of the best bass players working today. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and that's still true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, yeah, Les Claypool was kind of a no-brainer on my list. If, you're, if you've been a bass player for a while, you kind of have to give it up for less. That brings us into the top ten, where it's getting a little bit serious. Mm-hmm. Once you hit uh, the, the bottom five, it's, we tend to play around with a little bit and have some personal favorites and some, you know, red-headed stepchildren in there. Uh, says the redhead on the show. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but... It's okay. fine. I'm not a stepchild, to my knowledge. Uh, but <laughs> I am redheaded. Uh, or was, <laughs> at one time. It's starting to gray I'm, out in places. I'm not I'm not commenting. It's all good. It's fine. I, I, I can be defensive, even if, if, even if you're not accusing. Yeah, okay. Uh, but we're, we're starting to get... You're pre-defensive. Yes. We're starting to get a little bit serious going into the top 10. It's This is where, I mean, everybody does a top 10. That's why we do a mm-hmm. Fab 15, you know? But the top 10 is where it starts to kind of turn. So I'm interested to hear who your number 10 is, and I hope it's hilarious. It is, uh, because uh, my number 10, it's Bootsy, baby! Bootsy! Nice. <laughs> Definitely in my honorable mentions didn't make my list, yeah. but I so, also feels like a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Bootsy Collins. Yeah. Everybody loves Bootsy. Pick, oh, find me somebody who does. <laughs> um, if even without all the you know the the get up and the garb and the personality, um, which is why people love him. Yeah. But um, you know you couldn't get a better bass player for whatever the project is that he's playing on. Yeah. Uh, so that so a lot of people will go obviously to the P Funk Funkadelic sure. stuff and yeah I love that. Sure. So great. But uh, if we're talking songs, how about Get Up yeah. by James Brown? Yeah. Bootsy Collins people was the bass player Bootsy. for James yeah. Brown for a while. Yeah. And James Brown is the one that taught him to play on the one. Yep. Instead of the two or the four, you play on the one. Yep. Hit that one hard, and that's where funk comes from. And yep. Bootsy just personified it from then on out. Yep. You know, George Clinton, genius that he is. Uh, you know, he really needed Bootsy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, and jo- Bootsy didn't play on everything for Funkadelic or right. uh, P-Funk at all. He didn't play on all of it, but he played on a lot of it and, uh, you know, got his name out there. Bootsy's Rubber... I was Bootsy's Rubber Band? Was that the name of the... Uh, uh, I the, believe the, so. The, the solo yeah, record. Um, I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, solo record. Fantastic solo record from him. Yeah. Um, he played on uh, uh, Delight. Groove is in the heart. Yeah, was that which that song followed me around like a year ago. I've heard it like every where I went. It was crazy. Um, nice. That even guested on a Sammy Hagar album for Christ's sakes. So, yeah, that's right. You know, who doesn't love Bootsy? Nobody. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there you go. Yeah. Uh, George Clinton actually, I saw. I, I mean, years and years ago. Who knows what it was? Maybe it was a behind the music. Who knows? I saw him giving an interview talking about funk music and talking about how you can hit a note at any place where the note hits cuz where the beat is cuz you got you got time in between where the beat starts and where the beat ends and if you hit if you hit the note right on the beat 
that that ain't funk music. But if you move the 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 if you hit the note a little bit into the beat, you know, then you start getting that funk groove. And Bootsy Collins came in and said, "Nah, I'm gonna play on the beat." And he held those songs together. Mm-hmm. Like that's why George uh, Clinton. I may have said George Carlin a minute ago. Did I, say I don't Carlin? think he did, but and that's why that's why the George Clinton stuff, that's why the P Funk stuff is so solid, is because mm-hmm. Bootsy Collins was there hitting it on the one, and George Clinton and anybody else in the band was hitting it wherever they felt like hitting it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but Bootsy held Bootsy the song held together. together. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, with that star shaped bass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the uh, just and just that whole hitting it on the one thing. You know, most bass players they'll either hit everything identically yeah hit all the beats or they'll emphasize two yeah and the four yeah. yeah but that one just changed and it was james brown that uh that, you know drilled that into boots he's had yeah. and he never oh, james lost brown it. knew what he was doing oh yeah i mean yeah. we could talk about james brown forever but yeah um yeah so i yeah, i would be remiss if i did not put bootsy on my list basically so. yeah yeah he's yeah, in my honorable mentions but i mean like like I said earlier, if I was making just a list of people that deserve to be mentioned, he'd have been on it. And that's sure. what my honorables are. Uh, that uh, My number 10 is nowhere close to the same thing, <laughs> same vibe. <laughs> uh, my number 10 is a guy who I think gets overlooked a lot. And I will talk about why he's my number 10 in a moment. Uh, but first I have to say his name, because that's how lists work. Uh, Pat Badger from Extreme. Okay, good, yeah, I, good call. Definitely not on your list, but not good on my call. list, but yeah, yeah, definitely good pull. Pat Badger is one of those guys who is again up against the insurmountable mountain of being in a band with one of the best guitar players of all time in Nuno Betancourt. Uh-huh. You know, he's 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 got his work cut out for him because Nuno's gonna do mind blowing stuff, and he's and Pat Badger has to find his space. And let me tell you this: he's really good at finding his space. Uh, the thing that opened me up to Pat Badger as a bass player and made him actually a really big influence on my playing as a as a musician is uh, the Concert for Life in 1992, which was the tribute that to Freddie Mercury that Queen right. did with a bunch of people. Extreme more or less opened that, not quite opened it, but pretty close to opened it by doing a medley of Queen songs. Yes, and uh, that medley was like, oh, rock and roll is going to be okay. Was yeah, right. the first thought that I had, <laughs> but also like Pat Badger was there, and like they gave him the intro to Radio Gaga, and I was like, "Oh, the bass can do that," mm-hmm. you know. And he just kind of he just locked in and knew what he was doing, and was able to be flashy, but was able to scale it back and hold the, it, it very much the John Deacon way. Sure, it, it was a it was a really good kind of parallel there, and that's just sort of what he's made a career of doing. Just hanging out with a guitar player that everybody is watching, but then kind of going, yeah, all right, but you're also going to hear this, you know, <laughs> and Fair. and finding his spaces well, and just working into the song and, and a band like it live. Extreme too, who are who basically were a heavy metal version of Queen, yeah, uh, and you've come back finally, yeah, um, but they get written off for because you know it was the Saying 80s yeah well, it was you. the 80s and you it's had it. to have the ballad hit and people paid more attention to ballads than everything else yeah and it's a shame because extreme stuff is so uh wide reaching oh yeah i would say because you have everything from you know your heavy metal stuff to the ballads you have some progressive stuff in there and yep. you got you have funk songs yep i mean funk metal i guess but yeah funk songs so pat badger has to be able to play on the one and <laughs> do yeah, the yeah. funk yeah. i don't know if he actually does that. i didn't really go that far into it but um I mean, has to play far off. has yeah. to play the funk songs yeah 
and then turn around and play a metal tune and then just pull it back and just, you know, sit, just sit in the groove for some, you know, weird ballad thing that, you know, Nuno's going off and noodling and yeah. um, Gary's singing too high. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, so that band, just because of what they require from their music, you know, you have to be an accent musician to play that, you know? Yeah, and yeah, you're right, Pat gets, Pat gets overlooked, but he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's a really good, really good player. Absolutely. Very, yeah. very much solid and a little bit flashy when he needs to be. Yep. One of those guys who, before listening to this episode, you might not have even known his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you do, so go check out some of his work with Extreme, uh, or any place else you can find him, but uh, pr- primarily Extreme is what we're talking about here. Waiting for the punchline, he played a lot on that record, too. Hands down my favorite Extreme record. Dark record yeah. for them. It, absolutely, but, but my favorite. Yeah, really, but, uh, you know, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's really good record and uh you know some real good lines from pat on that yeah yeah Yeah. he's yeah he's just a hell of a player okay and with both of our number 10 done we are uh ready to move into number nine it's still serious Mm -hmm. we're still in the serious part of the like it's it's gotten serious yes uh so we're now ready to get even more serious with your number nine which i hope is hilarious (laughs) i'm I'm just gonna say that for the next (laughs) however many sorry i I don't have an impression to do so it's not as good um yeah uh, my number nine john paul jones in my honorable mentions yeah uh it, it uh, uh, i actually toyed with whether i was going to put him on the list or not too. yeah there's real somebody else i kind of wanted that's interesting um, you toyed with it and he's in your top 10 yeah okay um uh, that makes sense actually now that i've said it out loud you know why it came around because uh-huh. i listened to ramble on oh that's a good one i say you know what that yeah um yeah. you know because and again we keep talking about this this is the this is the standard thing with bass players they get overlooked because of the guitar player and the singer yeah, you know they just bass players just in general get overlooked unless it's their band. Yeah, or there's something you know different or whatever, um, and that's kind of part of the reason for doing this list is giving some love to the low end, right? Yeah. But um, John Paul Jones, uh, like I say, listen to Ramble On is kind of all you have to do. Ramble. But um, <laughs> well, not that part. That's the singer part. No, that's yeah. I mean, if, uh, but you know, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously he's Led Zeppelin, blues-based, hard rock band, uh, at least to start. Mm-hmm. That was their beginnings, and you know he did that extremely well. And as they got more adventurous and did more stuff, he was right there with it, writing, playing organ sometimes, and doing the bass parts on yeah. organ yeah. for a lot of the songs, which is uh, also kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, as much as most people have heard Stairway to Heaven a billion times... And we all know that it's one of the great rock guitar parts. It's also one of the great bass parts. You just didn't listen to it. Yeah. So there's a lot of great bass parts in Zeppelin, though. Go back and listen to that and go, oh, right. And try to forget about the guitar for a while. Let's know what John Paul Jones is doing. It's very cool. It's a very cool part. Um, And then, yeah, just pretty much any Zeppelin record. You yeah. can pick up, and there'll be at least two or three songs with some really cool bass in it. Yeah, I mean, so, my go-to might have been Good Times, Bad Times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's all over that's the place That's a good one. That. Yep, yeah. that's absolutely a good one. Absolutely. Probably the only guy that could really hold that together. Yeah. Because, um, you know, as much as everybody loves... I love Zeppelin, too. Everybody sure. loves Zeppelin. Sure. Um, but they weren't the tightest group of musicians. True. Um, you know, and I don't necessarily say that in a bad way. Like no, I said, I love Zeppelin, but a little bit of their charm. Um, you know, uh, you know, John Bonham, great drummer. Yeah. 
mostly about power, not a whole lot, and I didn't hold back as much as he could have on certain things, and yeah. held back too much on others. Yeah. Um, so it was very bizarre. So you got a drummer that, um, you know, like a powerhouse drummer, mm-hmm. but you know, you got that, and then you've got Jimmy Page, who an inventive guitar player, not always. The, mo- the cleanest guitar player. Yeah, sure. And Robert Plant just screaming his head off. Yeah. You know, the musical integrity of it, John Paul Jones not only held it together, but advanced it with yep. the parts that he played. So, you yep. know, I think he is my favorite part of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's also got a really great solo album from the 90s called Zuma. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, uh, that, that's in my collection. It should be in anybody who loves Zeppelin. I mm-hmm. mean, it, you, Zuma is a great album. I mean, as a bass player, I mean, uh, definite top 10 bass player if I'm just, if I'm not leaning on my personal favorites or my personal influences or whatever. Uh, it's I, I mean, I'm saying he's a top 10 bass player and he's not in my top 10. Right. But, uh, I mean, he should be. He's he's phenomenal. And he is, uh, I, I agree with you, he's my favorite part of Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, I love Jimmy Page, but... I, I oh think, sure, I do too, and I know I made a lot of Zeppelin guys mad. But sure, yeah, um, I think even again, Jimmy Page would. I love Jimmy. Uh, I love Zeppelin. I got, you know. I think even Jimmy Page would admit that he's more about feel than he is about technique. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think that's willful. I think that's intentional. I think if he, well, and he's proven if he wants to be about technique, he can be. Well, but, sure, he was a session session musician yes. for years before Zeppelin. And yeah, yeah, and Yardbirds and Yardbirds all that. And, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, he he knows how to really nail the beat and all that stuff. He just that's not what interests him. You know, right. He's he's more interested in the feel of a song. And when you've got a guy who that's his primary focus, you need somebody else who is interested in keeping the structure of the song together, and that's John Paul Jones. Mm-hmm. In a, if I if I made the list a little bit more logically as you did, he definitely would have been on mine. Right on. Uh, instead, I went with the heart, but uh, the heart. Uh, I I think my number nine actually, my heart speaks a little bit to the the same nature as what as what you're getting out of John Paul Jones. And I hope this name is on your list. I'll actually be a little surprised if it isn't. My number nine, Jack Bruce. Also on my list. Good, uh, Jack Bruce. I best known probably for Cream. Sure. You know, I, I the go-to song almost has to be Crossroads. Almost has to be. Yeah, not my go-to, but yes. Yeah, well, not, sure. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's holding the entire riff together as, you know, mm-hmm. whoever, you know, clapped in his noodling. He's, you know, he's rock solid. He's playing that really solidly, really cleanly on a fretless bass. Yep. Which should be impossible. I've played that song in a lot of bands. Uh, that song actually is, uh, I had a friend see me with, uh, the Michael Feldman group who we played that song sort of toward the end of the set. And my friend said, you know what? You got to Crossroads. And I went, oh, Derek's a really good bass player. He nailed Crossroads. And the reason that he felt that was because he knew the Jack Bruce bass part on Crossroads. Yeah. Cause Jack Bruce solid in the rhythm. It's very solid in the rhythm, obviously solid in the rhythm, but earned that fretless bass because he had such an intimate knowledge of it, and it was just an extension of himself, and he knew how to fill in the spaces between where he needed to be solid. Yeah. You know, he knew how to hit the note, and then like, okay, you've heard the note that you need to hear. Here's a few other ones. You know, <laughs> and we're going to explore this chord a little bit. We're going to we're going to un- unfold the chord that you're hearing and and explore the parts of it, and then return for the next note. 
Yes. Like he just he he found his way to he the roadmap of his base parts is impossible. But he he did it and he did it wonderfully and he's another one of those guys. I mean, he was in Cream. He was in Cream with mm-hmm. a, a three-piece band with two of the most explosive... Well, with the, the most explosive drummer that's ever lived. Yes. <laughs> like, let's just mm-hmm. say that. And then a guitar player who uh, is fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just one of, the, one of those bands that you look at the three members of Cream and you look at great musicians and you look at, okay, these, these three guys have their own name outside of this band for a reason. Sure. You know? Whether it's because of incredible drumming, whether it's because of a bass player who just knows how to fill out the space between notes, whether it's because of a guitar player whose tone has inspired many, many people to buy a whole lot of gear to try to recreate <laughs> it. When the, fact, when the fact of the matter is, whatever you want to say about uh, Eric Clapton, the fact of the matter is the tone is in the fingers. Sure. You know, and that guy has those fingers, and you can buy all the signature amps and signature guitars you want to, you're not going to have those fingers. Very true. Uh, he's, I mean, he's known as slow hand because he can hit just one note and hold that note and not have to move on that note. And you go, Oh, that's Clapton, Uh you know? And you can say that for the other two members of the band. You can hear a Ginger Baker drum part and go, oh, well, that's clearly played by a crazy person. It must be Ginger Baker. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. And you hear a Jack Bruce bass line and you go, wow, there is so much soul and exploration, but also heart. Uh In that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and Cream were a blues band that decided, well, blues is also progressive and yes. it's also psychedelic. Yes. And that's all the blues, so deal with it. And so, you know, yes. they, and so much their of that records, on the bass. Their records, uh, I mean, went all over the place. I mean, Disraeli Gears, which is one of my top records that's ever, a great record. is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Just all the way through. Yeah. Um, and my favorite song. Bass-wise, from that record is uh, "She Was Like a Bearded Rainbow." That's a great, uh, that's a great song. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird song. Yeah, but, but it's great. Um, Jack Bruce just plays his butt off on it. Yeah, um, you know, you listen. You got to listen to the live, the old live. Not that live reunion they did was good. It was fine, but the yeah. old live, the Cream Live Volume One and Volume Two, um, just masterclass yeah. in how to on how a three-person band can work yeah maybe should work maybe um yeah 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 but uh defines the power trio exactly and uh, um you know the live version of uh, sunshine of your love or white yeah yeah um just incredible yeah uh so and then jack bruce was all and uh, ginger baker did a uh project with um gary moore yeah called bbm yeah yeah, which i occasionally which i have and i occasionally listen to every once in a while get on a on a kick and listen to that and uh it's you know people say well well it's cream but they couldn't get eric clampton no it's a different band yeah it's them doing what they do with this guy instead let's see what he brings to it right you know and it was really good and i really wish it they they would have done more work because that was fantastic too yeah that was Um, i think i'm familiar with that because you're familiar with it yeah so (laughs) if uh if you have a chance to listen to anything by Jack Bruce with solo stuff, whatever it is, take a minute, yeah. uh, listen to Jack Bruce, um, you know, so fine singer as well. Yeah. Um, sang Absolutely. most of the, sang most of the cream stuff. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, you know, listen to the artistry that is, you know, artistry, but yet still grounded, not yeah. a, you know, 
flashy riff guy or anything like that. Right. Some artistry, but still very. Well, rounded. I mean, there was a little bit of that. Oh, I sure. Mean, yeah. I'm not saying there wasn't. Sure. So that's where the artistry comes in. But you know, yeah. some people uh, are total yeah, tech, totally it, technique guys, yeah, no, I'm, and I'm, some of those are in my are yeah, in I, my I'm, list. I'm parsing what you just said. It's artistry and, instead of flash. Yeah. Yeah. You're mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You so, know, and there's I'm a way to now. do both, and he did. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Jack Bruce, uh, you know. Big loss to the rock community too when, oh, he, yeah. when he passed. I, I was, was heartbroken. I was, I was very sad. I was heartbroken. Yeah. I, I just I remember when he got his Hall of Fame induction with Cream, and just watching the them you know play and just like wow he just looks so cool, you know <laughs> like on top mm -hmm. of everything else he also just looked so cool. And such know? a such an interesting guy, such a cool guy in yeah. in, in interviews. Yeah, really cool. The uh, you know I probably watched the interview sections of that. Uh, Cream reunion, the one of these, uh, one of these days, whatever it's called, I can't remember off the top uh, of my yeah, head. Um, the Royal Albert Hall stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what it's called because one of these days was the box, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, <laughs> the DVD. I've watched the interview sections almost as much, or probably maybe even more, just because the lineup and the way they interact is as people is just fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it was great. So anyway, yes. So Jack Bruce is uh, so good. Of a number nine, that he's my number eight. Nice. Wow, we've gotten really close to... <laughs> Very close. You know, we're, yeah. we're just one off on a few things. Yeah. So that frees up uh, your number eight for the next one. Uh, my number eight is uh, another one that I, I just felt that we had to pay some attention to. Uh, in the same vein that my number 14 was David Hood, my number eight is Carol Kay. Uh, much higher on my list. But okay, she's good. Good. I uh, I actually mentioned her while I was talking about David Hood. You did, and I was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, just one of the great session players. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I mean, somebody out there who's a little bit more knowledgeable on her career, other than me, might uh, might yell at me for this statement. But like, there there might not be a go to Carol Kay record. There might not be a like a solo record out there or something that you you know. But there's a lot of go-to Carol Kay records. Songs. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of songs. I mean, do you need me to say more than the two words, pet sounds? Yep. You know? Like, mm -hmm. she was the bass player on Pet Sounds, the yeah. quintessential Beach Boys album. The uh, Yeah, that bass line that's in Good Vibrations, that was her. Yeah, yeah. It was all her. That was um, post-Pet Sounds, but yes. Yes, but that, but still. Um, you know, people think of good vibrations and that um, really flowing, yeah. uh, very high pitched bass line. Yeah. To oh, which, yeah. Um, uh, she was not explored. Uh, she was not afraid to explore the upper register. No, and that was yeah. all her. Yeah. Um, you well, know, it was I mean, a little bit of Brian Wilson. Well, Brian too, Wilson but, wrote yeah. the song, but she was able to nail it. Yeah. You know, that's um, actually one of the interesting things. And I, I loved that they brought this out the uh, Love and Mercy movie with uh, uh, John Cusack and uh, uh, the Paul Dano uh, playing Brian Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a moment in there where they're doing the pet sound sessions, and the person playing Carol Kay just says, Hey, Brian, are, is this right? Because you've got this written in a different key than the rest of the song. And Brian said, Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just heard it that way. You know, and Carol mm -hmm. Kay. One knew it was wrong, but two nailed it. Uh -huh. You know, she was playing in a different key than the whole rest of the band, mm -hmm. and was still perfect. Yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> well, and uh, Carol Kay was the bass on uh, bass player on one of my favorite Joe Cocker songs, "Feeling All Right." Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a good. That's yeah, that's a great song. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that song. Yeah, I mean, she was. If you look, and that's another one. You look on, and we have. There'll be a few more of these we'll talk about. But yeah, um, you look on. Uh, you look up Carol Kay songs, and you'll just be astonished by how many songs she played on. Oh yeah, she's not and how many. You know, uh, if you ever get the chance to watch the documentary, The Wrecking Crew, yeah, about all those musicians she was hanging out with at that point, and they were doing all those great records, yeah. You know, just watch it; you'll be amazed. I mean, yeah. you can't say enough about Carol Kay, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And she was just so cool. She was so cool. She was and so cool. She just and she sat. Probably she wasn't standing yeah. up, and she was sitting on the on, in a chair, plugged in. You know, Mike's rolling, here she goes. You yep. know, and boom. You know, she and they were the whole Wrecking Crew themselves were all such good musicians. Oh they, yeah, they had to be. What they rehearse it once or you know, once, twice, and then go live, boom, yep. you're done. Yep. You know, next song. Yep. So just fantastic. But she's uh she was uh was a wonderful uh bass player. So yeah, do a deep dive into Karaoke, okay, you will not be disappointed. Please do, yeah. Uh also excellent glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, really, total cool. Really I mean, cool look. Yeah, it's yeah. just the '60s. You know, '60s awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. You know, if you could, you could do worse than to model your look after Carol Kay Absolutely. if you're into anything retro at all. You Absolutely, know? So, just yeah. so hard not to love Carol Kay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 genuinely, folks, we don't have uh, checkmates. I should call you. We don't have the time to get into all of it, but you you need no, to we're gonna, like pull up her wiki. We're going to stop here. Just yeah. say, just go do it. Yeah, go do that, and then come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, my go-to was Good Vibrations. Yours was apparently probably feeling all right, but, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm fine either, with either one of those. Either way works. Yeah, well, we'll have to talk about what when we figure out the list. Then we'll figure out what the song is. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fine. But uh, I'm I'm so glad she's on both of our lists. She Absolutely. deserves to be. In fact, she probably deserves to be wherever she is on your list. Which, uh, given the trend, might be number seven. Uh, but <laughs> went to, no, nope, not this time. Okay, not, who is it? Number time. seven. Uh, number seven is another uh, journeyman uh-huh. bass player who is played with and on a lot of things, and you know the name just because it's so cool. Donald Duck Dunn. <sighs> Honorable mention. Yeah. Great, great choice. Yeah. So. A lot of people know him just because he was in the Blues Brothers. Yeah. The Blues Brothers band. And that's enough, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, session, session musician, did a whole bunch of stuff. Played with Booker T and the MGs. Oh, yeah, he did. He's the bass on yeah. Time Is Tight. Yeah. He's the bass on Time Is That's oh, all you need to know. I just got excited. Yeah. <laughs> all you need yeah. to know. Absolutely. But yes, if you have seen the Blues Brothers movie or heard the old Blues Brothers records, and they're you know, and they're all covers, but they're fantastic. Yeah. You know, Duck Dunn is playing them. Yep. And he is just, um, just so solid, so much soul to what he plays. It's just, and it's you know that's the that's style of music, but that's what he does and does well. And it is just, um, I mean, how he is not a household name for everyone is shocking. I mean, music fans have heard the name. Sure. um, You know, but some of them, some people might not know what it is. He's awesome. Sure. Check out Duck Down. He's one of those old school guys, you know, comes in, plays a song, lays it down and moves on. Yep. (laughs) So, you know, just where's, I can say there's been a few of them on my list. So that's... uh, He's another one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good choice. I, I, I have not nothing to add sentences to that. together anymore. Yeah, so. I have nothing to add to that uh, because I, he's in my honorables. So I didn't, yeah. you know. 
again, I didn't do the deep dive, but yeah, I, I mean, excellent choice. And uh, again, had I approached had I approached the list the way you did, it, it, w it would have been a very comparable list, I think. And that's just an excellent choice with the duck done. I don't even say the Donald. I just say duck. Duck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and well, I thought I'd, I thought I'd give his full name. Well, good choice. Uh, <laughs> but everybody who knows bass players, if you say duck. And they mm -hmm. know who you mean. Yep, exactly. You know? <laughs> uh, great choice. Iconic look, too. Beard. Yeah. Big, uh, for a while, anyway, a big afro and a beard and a pipe hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love the pipe. <laughs> uh, that was an excellent number seven. Uh, my number seven, I think, is also an excellent choice, but it's a very different choice. Mm -hmm. uh, my number seven is uh, Billy Sheehan from also, Mr. Big also slash on my Talis. List. Okay, good. Uh, Mr. Big slash Talus. Uh, the, if you have to, it's hard to pick a Billy Sheehan bass line as the song that mm -hmm. you're supposed to listen to. I wrote down Colorado Bulldog. I did too. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, off of, uh, Bump Ahead? Bump Ahead. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mr. Big's Bump Ahead album. Uh, but I mean, uh, if, if it says Billy Sheehan on the sleeve, mm -hmm. it's gonna have a bass line that is worth listening to. Oh, sure. Uh, he's one of those guys that's just nuts. Just nuts as a player. Uh, he's the... he's. I, I don't know if I'm overstating this or not, but I'm going to say it. He's the Eddie Van Halen of the bass. Mm, probably true, yeah. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, his, One of, At least he's in contention. He's in yeah. the talk, right? Yeah, yeah. He plays in a way that... I. It, it may be best to just start by saying he has a signature bass. Mm -hmm. The signature bass does not say Billy Sheehan on it. It says Attitude. Yeah. Like, the name of the bass is Attitude, not the Yamaha Billy Sheehan signature bass, like everybody else's signature guitar is called. His is the Yamaha Attitude, because that describes his playing to a T. Yeah. He comes in, he knows that he owns the room, he proceeds to own the room, and then he leaves. <laughs> that is what happens when Billy Sheehan plays. He, uh, and... Sometimes you can sense that when you see him in interviews, he yeah. he, he personifies attitude. Uh, sometimes to his own detriment, I think he would probably be the first to say that. Oh, sure. He's one of the few guys that's been kicked out of his own band mm -hmm. with Mr. Big. Uh, and I know he has some regrets about that. They're currently still wrapping up their final tour together. Uh, but he's just one of those next level players that me as a you know fledgling bass player learning you know who i was supposed to be as a bass player i heard billy sheehan play and went uh, uh, what, uh, you know? <laughs> how how is he what is he how is he you yeah. know like i i just i didn't know what to, i didn't know how to process it other than i i want to try to do that yeah uh i have rarely if ever gone to an instructional session with like a like a master class situation with another player. Billy Sheehan is the guy who I've attended his session. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I went to see him here in St. Louis when he came through on a tour of just kind of sitting around playing the bass and talking about it and telling you how to be better at it. I was like, I I, I have to go to that. You know, I'm like 14, 15, whatever I was. Yeah, I, remember, I remember you going. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, you know, like, Dad, can we please go see this? I, yeah, I really like Billy Sheehan. And he was like, yeah, go see that. Fine. You know, whatever. And we went to that, and Dad, you know, was sitting there. They didn't even have chairs. We had to sit on the floor of whatever guitar store that was. And we had to sit on the floor and just listen to Billy Sheehan talk about the bass and play it and stuff. 
This was in a time where both of us were able to sit on the floor. <laughs> Neither of us could now. Uh, like, <laughs> that would be a deal breaker for me. Like, I, I really like this bass player. I'm not going to sit on the floor. Uh, you know, like that would be a deal breaker for me, let alone dad. But we went and we saw him and he talked and he signed stuff afterward. To this day, in the basement of the house where we are currently sitting, there is a poster hanging on the wall with Billy Sheehan's autograph on it. That's uh, a Yamaha promotional poster that also features Nathan East mm-hmm. on it that uh, he signed for me that, uh, you know, I had the... Uh, the the moment with him where I I got to say hey I oh I've been playing for a couple of years do you have any advice you know he <laughs> <laughs> was like uh, buy a metronome and just keep playing you know it was kind of what he said to me and yeah. I went and I and you got did a that. metronome and I kept playing mm-hmm. uh, and I will tell you this I said earlier I've been playing bass for thirty years I still can't play Billy Sheehan lines I can a little bit play Colorado Bulldog. Yeah. Uh, but I still can't play Billy Sheehan lines. His rig is crazy. What he does with his setup, he divides his signal. If you look at his bass, he's got two outputs on it, and he runs one output into kind of a high end and one output into a low end, and he distorts it, and he does crazy stuff that I don't understand to this day, <laughs> and uh, it's just nuts. And he plays all over the neck and does things that should be impossible that I still don't understand after 30 years, even even with some a, a lot of those years dedicated to studying that guy, I still don't get it. Yeah. You know, he's just one of those next-level level players, and he absolutely had to be in my not only Fab 15, but in my top 10. I'm actually a little bit shocked that he's not in my top 5. Yeah, so um, Billy Sheehan, I mean, yeah, a lot of people know from Mr. Big. He's been in the Winery Let me Dogs. David Lee Roth. Are you about to say David Lee Roth? I will, too. Okay. I'll get it. I'll winery get to, I'll get to it. Good one. Currently winery in Winery Dogs. dogs. Yeah. Also was in a progressive band called Sons of Apollo for a while. Yeah, I forgot about Sons was, of Apollo. Uh, which is over now, I think. But, yeah. Um, winery Dogs might be, too, since Portnoy went back to Dream Theater. Well, yeah, but Portnoy, can, I think, can... Still manage if he could. Yeah. Do, if he could be in twenty nine bands, he can be in two. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know. So you know, let's not get let's not get crazy. But um, you know, so a lot of people know there's there's a there's a serious groove to yeah. what Billy Sheehan does. Yeah. So we talk about how nuts he is all over the neck of the instrument, and how he's um, you know playing just crazy technical stuff. Yeah. He can groove. Yeah, uh, with the best of them, he was uh, he he played in David Lee Ross band for a while. Yeah. which Eat Him and Smile record is yeah. kind of the mm-hmm. yeah. And he'd uh, said that that was kind of an atonement for him for being too crazy in Talos. He was able <laughs> to kind of come in, uh, but he was friends with Dave for a while and everything like that. Sure. Um, but uh, one of the things on that record, they did a version of Shy Boy. Yeah. Which he was song. was a Talos song, yeah. and Mr. Big did it too. Yep. That song just follows. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Winery Dogs version. I don't know, Probably, but yeah. there might be. Yeah. Um, so I thought about that for his for a signature tune from him. That's, but a, it's, that's a good go-to. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But you listen to some of the Mr. Big stuff. Another band that got saddled with to be with you, and yeah, yeah, they're that's not what they're about. That's just one aspect of what they do. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot yeah, of early nineties, and yeah, yeah, and that's what. That's what the only thing that record labels cared about. Yeah, you at that played point. the blues or you sang with a high voice, and yeah. You know, you did and if ballad. they were, and if they were, uh, you know, if they'd have been a few years earlier or even a few years later, yeah, I think it would have been a different story. But yeah, they'd, be, um, they'd be here what they are in Japan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, that's if Eric Martin had a stage presence, but he's well, not. Sure. But yeah. he's a great singer, so I'm gonna let that slide. Yeah. Um, 
And I love Mr. Big. Mr. Big Take was... that, Eric Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Eric <laughs> From said, two guys who, who didn't make it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, Mr. Big was probably my favorite band if at one point. I yeah, sure. love Mr. Big. Me too. Um, a lot of the and a lot of the bass lines too. I was just going through and thinking like a song called Merciless, which has a real good yeah. groove to it. Um, you know, and uh, if you get the uh, the Lean Into It record, they just did a anniversary reissue not yeah, too long did. ago. Mm. Um, don't have and that. that is I not my. I don't have that. I do. It's not my favorite Mr. Big record, but sure. uh, it's most people's. Sure. So they put out a double disc, and some of the like you're talking about earlier with the Beatles stuff. There's a few songs that just has the bass part and the vocal on it. Nice. Which is kind of interesting to hear that too. So yeah, so Billy Sheen can play a lot of different things. He, uh, you know, like I said, he has the the attitude. Like you say, he's got a lot of attitude to his playing. He plays really rhythmically and somehow plays all over the fretboard too. And one of the few bass players that does it with a whiz kid guitar player yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, he's always been with... Oh, yeah, you can't deny Paul Gilbert. can't deny Paul Gilbert yeah. and, and, you know, or Richie Kotzen. Richie Kotzen, or, yeah, sure. You know, I the, mean, I mean he always yeah. plays with virtuoso guitar players and figures out a way to be a virtuoso on bass, yeah. too. So yeah. he, I mean, he's played with Satriani yeah, he in the did, Roth era. He did the stuff on bass that people's like, well, why doesn't Michael Anthony play that way, you know? Right. I mean, he's the only guy that did it. You know, Michael, we were talking about earlier, Michael Anthony did the job they needed to do. Yeah. Billy Sheehan did the job and said, I can do this too. He's like, yeah. the, he's like the guy. Yeah. I don't know too many other people that really do it. It's only a handful. Yeah, not a lot. And um, They might be in my top five. Yeah, right. So there's only a handful <laughs> that can do that. Yeah, we're, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so he just deserves total respect as a bass player. And uh, if you're a hard rock fan, for the love of God, go back and reevaluate Mr. Big, will you? Yes, please. I love Mr. Big. I went through a huge deep dive on Mr. Big not long ago, and I, it led me into Paul Gilbert's solo career, too, <laughs> which yeah. is really interesting and fun. Uh, like I, I, I follow like all those guys on the social media where they are, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, like I, I you know, fell in love with Mr. Big in what the early, early 90s, yeah. I guess. And, like, that just hasn't gone away. There's been times where, like, I haven't paid as much attention, but I, 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 that, that, that hasn't ever left. I've just always Oh, yeah, I mean, I put it down for a know? while and don't listen sure. to it for maybe even you know, a year or two, and then all sure. of a sudden, you know, something happens, and then we're back in Mr. Bigland, and it's yep. just, yep, there we go. Yeah. Billy Sheehan was a real no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just... If, I, I did a little bit of a go-to list for me as a bass player, you know, mm-hmm. and he was just on it. Well, you played bass a lot longer and more passionately than I ever did. Sure. I kind of played bass. Um, I played bass because we needed a bass player at the time, <laughs> yeah. and I just and I didn't to, want to. And you wanted to. You wanted to explore guitar, which yeah. is fine. So I know. I mean, I just I did the Michael Anthony thing. I just held it down and sure stayed there. Yeah, and you were um, fine. I mean, I've been listening to some of that stuff recently, and it did you know it worked. Yeah, I was. I never had a goal of being, um, you know, a bass shredder. Sure. I also figured at some point we'd get another bass player, and I'd just sing. So <laughs> I don't it, think I knew that. It just it just never happened. So yeah, I don't think I knew um, that. <laughs> so there you go. But well, I didn't. A campaign for that. I just figured it happened. Sure. <laughs> well, we'd all be like, "You suck." Let's get another guy. <laughs> no, I just be. They just come at times like, you know, we need to do some more uh, experimental stuff. Well, let's hire a bass player, and it didn't. <laughs> it didn't work. So, um, true. So yeah. don't write the script without sharing it to people. Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, would have helped. <laughs> I have no idea where I was going with that, but um, 
Yeah, so Billy Sheehan. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Sheehan, my no, number seven. Uh, no brainer for you and also for me because he was my number six. <laughs> of course he was. That's how this list is just going to go. Uh, and that's that is, it's actually really making me happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying that a lot. Uh, yeah, Billy Sheehan. Okay, he was your number six. He was my mm-hmm. number seven. We're on the same page. Uh, we get to stay on the same page because my number six was Steve Harris. Okay. So we're we're moving along at a pretty good clip now. We are. And you know what? Uh-huh. Just to keep things moving, my number five was Carol Kay. Nice. So <laughs> what else we got? <laughs> you, you, you want to know something interesting? What's that? My number five was Michael Anthony. All right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> who's, so we... whose turn is it? <laughs> On number four? I think it's mine. I think think we're back to me now. Okay, good. And um, if this guy's not on your list, I don't know what you're doing. Okay. Uh, Number four is Chris Squire. Hey, you want to know something interesting? What's that? My number four is Chris Squire. There we go. (laughs) Now we caught up. This is a good episode. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Not only did we caught up, we get the horn and everything. Yeah, clown. cue the clown horn, as Mm -hmm. I tend to say. (laughs) <laughs> all right so all right let's, let's talk about we, chris squire what do we want to say about chris squire <laughs> i don't even know where to start i hope you do because it was your turn <laughs> such a good bass player um, so uh, he's so he's one, uh, one of those guys who's overlooked uh i mean outside of bass players you're correct yeah because mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that if somebody asks you and you say chris squire they just assume you're a bass player yeah, you know, or, or at eyes, least a big prog rock. Yeah, man. or their eyes glaze over a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, so Chris Squire, for those who might not know, Chris Squire, the bass player in Yes. Oh, sure, we didn't say that for yeah. ever until he unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Um, so he's on like everything except like the the latest record, which yeah has like one guy in it, I think. Um, yeah, well, I don't yes know that be, it even does. Uh, the, it's got somebody. The sole remaining member of Yes is John Anderson, and he's doing a version of Yes, but I don't think that's the no, one releasing No, one, one of the yes. guitar players is in it now. Uh, I mean, Steve Howe's still around, but Steve he's, not, he's not an original. One, one of is not an original, but he's a long, yeah, well, yeah, long-time he's, member. Well, sure, sure. So, There's a couple long-time members around. but um, He's a long-time, but he's the only one in Yes right now, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think that's correct. So Yes yeah. has just become I even more... The, I haven't looked at the membership list recently. Uh, yes has become right, yeah. even more of a confusing puzzle than it ever was. Yeah. And uh, once John Anderson was out, I was out personally. Sure, um, I was a little bit... Too, I've got some of the releases after that, but yeah. But same. yeah, so... Um, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Chris True. Clark. Um <laughs> So Chris Squire, uh, prog rock, so you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting a lot of uh, noodling, a lot of experimentation. Yeah. But uh, Chris Squire, again... You're getting getting guys who get to say to somebody, I think I'll wear the sequined cape tonight. And everyone's like, yes, of course. And it's not even like, no one thinks about it. Yeah, right. Like, (laughs) it's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the life I want, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Christmas is coming. You may get a cape. Um, So... Uh, yeah, so Chris Squire, uh, in a band like Yes, which has songs with like seven movements in the first three minutes, yeah, um, which is nuts, yeah, or songs that take up an entire album side, yeah, uh, yeah. you have to have some sort of rooting to that, yes, and uh, the drums can do it, but the bass always does it, yes. So, not only does Chris Squire 
uh, nail it down for yes, but he is free to experiment and go a little nuts on the on the fretboard and do whatever he wants to because he can still keep that space that he needs to be in. Um, yep. That's the genius of yes is that everyone has their space. Now, whether you like the song or not, that's another thing. I sure. like yes quite a bit and there are certain songs I can't stand. Sure. But uh, having said that... There are certain songs members of yes can't stand. <laughs> that's true and they probably play them nightly. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is that uh, everybody has their space. Everybody is able to get their lick in and get the things going. And it's all a big part of this giant cosmic puzzle drawn by Roger Dean. <laughs> it's just, um, wow. <laughs> it's just, uh, incredible. But, uh, you know, Chris Squire, the, the tone, it's a very growly, angry tone for a lot it, of the yeah, can be, early yeah. stuff. And then he can switch to more of a clean thing. Yeah. So he does both. And in the eighties, you know, with the owner of a lonely heart, yeah. that's a cool baseline. Sure. You know, as much as it's a pop song and that was yes going pop and they kind of and not really, but they kind of did as far yeah. as their They uh, nailed it and didn't. Yeah, as far as yeah. their main audience was concerned, they went way pop and their yeah. uh look with derision upon the eighties, whereas I really like the eighties stuff and the nineties stuff too. Their Trevor Rabin stuff. I like it a lot. I was talking to someone um, very like tonight about how much I like the big generator album. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, so there's a lot of different things to explore. Um, you know, have patience with some of it, as I'm going to say, with some of the... Uh, sure. When you the, get into the topographic oceans uh, and whatnot. I don't even listen to it. I can't, <laughs> I can't even start. I understand. Um, there's some great Yes records out there and some there great really songs, are. but oh my gosh. There really are. Um, so, but like Heart of the Sunrise is one that yeah. everybody talks to about being great. Yeah. Uh, Yours is No Disgrace, not only my yeah. favorite Yes song, but one of my favorite bass parts. Oh, really? From That's Chris Squire, because yeah. I think it's because it's just, um, it's not overly flashy, but it moves the song along. Oh, yeah, it's it, doing that walk. Yeah, it moves the song along, and I kind of like it. It's a little bit different for him, so I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of good Yes stuff. Um, you know, there's just no question Chris Squire, founding member. Um, you know, and you know, yep. I have to listen to Roundabout. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows Roundabout. You know that bass line. That's Chris Squire. That's yeah, what you yeah, need. Yeah. Okay, your turn. I got to start. Uh, it. My turn. Um, I mean, you covered a lot of ground there, and you Yay. were right about all of it. Uh, I guess one of the things that I can add that I've a little bit pulled back from saying on some of these players is that there's a couple of ways that bass players can react to working with a keyboard or a piano. Uh, Because there's uh, the piano, the left hand of the piano is meant to, and by design, covers a lot of what a bass would do in a rock band. Right. Uh, And there's a lot of bands where when you've got a piano player in there, especially a, a good piano player, where the bass player will really hold back and just hold down a root note or just keep it very, very simple. Um, a lot of bass players are sort of put, in, put into a cage or a box by the keyboard player. Chris Squire was freed by the keyboard player. Yeah. Because the keys, your Rick Wakeman's or whoever you had in Yes at the time, I don't even know who's in it now. There's two versions of Yes happening at the same time right now as we record this. Uh, Whoever Chris Squire was working with, the keyboard gets to do whatever the keyboard 
doos. The keyboard. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll keyboard keep it. do what the keyboard do. Yeah, the keyboard do what the keyboard does, and uh, <laughs> uh, and Chris Squire gets to listen to that and then go, okay, they're covering that part of the foundation of the song. They're they're filling that harmonic space. What can I do? And he gets to explore the other parts of the harmonic space. And he gets to gets, mm-hmm. to, gets to let the keyboard hold down the part that the bass might normally ho- hold down, and he gets to walk around a little sure. and explore the rest of the space. And then return and hold down the same part as the keyboard. He does a lot of doubling, but he yep. gets to explore the rest of the space too. He gets freed by a keyboard player in ways that guys like... I mean, if you're listening to some of the Van Halen stuff, when Eddie started incorporating the keys, Michael Anthony had nowhere to go. You know, he was locked into, well, I guess I'm going to double the keyboard. Chris Squire said, well, I'm I'm clearly not going to double the keyboard. There's all these other notes. Right. Yeah, And he played those. That's a good way to put it, being freed by. That's a a good way. But, you know, there are some songs where the keyboard is is playing more of a melody. Absolutely. And Chris Squire is in in their lock in the band. So, you know, just such a versatile guy. Yeah, yeah. And just an incredible tone. He's... Uh, I, I, I have a Rickenbacker bass, and Chris Squire is one of the reasons I have a Rickenbacker bass. Uh-huh. Uh, there's another guy that's also a reason that I, uh, I don't know if he's on your list, so I'm not going to say his name just yet. Okay. But uh, there's, uh, Rick, Chris Squire is one of the reasons I have my Rick. And the first thing I did when I went into the guitar center with the, where the Rickenbacker bass was hanging so high up on the wall that I had to ask someone to pull it down for me so I knew no one else had played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always a risk in a guitar center. Sure. You know, they, these guitars have been played by everybody. When they're up high, they only want people to buy them, to play them if they think they're going to buy them. So they, they pulled it down for me and they handed it to me. And the first thing I did was I played Roundabout. Mm-hmm. All the choices of all the bass players who've owned Rickenbacker basses, I played Roundabout. And the reason for that is because Chris Squire is probably the guy who defined the Rickenbacker bass. He's up okay. there. Yeah. He's up there. Yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, he's definitely the guy who showed you what it can do. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, there's a, uh, a premier guitar does a series on YouTube called Rig Rundowns. If anybody's familiar with that, there's a rig rundown where they do yes and they look at Chris Squire's rig, and it's actually really interesting because Chris Squire pulls down his his Rick bass and says about it. This bass, there's something weird about it. It doesn't sound quite right, but I've never fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) And you kind of go, oh, that's what it is. His bass has a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to create the same problem all these years. He, He just had a tone and a sound that was exclusively his because his bass was broken. (laughs) <laughs> but he made it work anyway. I didn't know that. I yeah, was, I never heard of that. It, it really adds a new dimension to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. He uh, he was such a good player and such a cerebral player uh, in the way that only a prog guy can be. Right. You know, at, for a, a guy writing a prog song, it's a it's more of a math equation than it is <laughs> anything else. Very true. Uh, uh, but Chris Squire wrote that equation, but then said, okay, we've got the math of it. Where's the heart? I need to play the heart. 
Yeah. You know, and he did that with, you, you've got your Heart of the Sunrise, your Heart of the Sunrise. There you go. You've got your Roundabout. Uh, you, you, I, I don't want to butcher the rest of the name of it, so I'm going to leave it at The Fish, uh, which was his kind of mm-hmm. moment to shine with a bass solo. Right. Uh, he did a wonderful version of Amazing Grace that I've seen some live footage where he finished play, playing Amazing Grace and had a look on his face of like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> where he just kind of felt like, oh, he's also experiencing this on a spiritual level that I don't quite understand. Nice. You know? And uh, I just, I, I have so much love for Chris Squire and what he did with the bass and what he did in Yes. And uh, I, I, you know, I just, I, I, just talking about him right now, I want to do the deep dive. You yeah. know, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that when you start exploring him, you just go, oh, okay, what, but what else is there to learn? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've got, I, I've, I've got nothing but good things to say about Chris Squire. I have so many more things I could say, but at some point we have to move on and yeah. get to number three. We're gonna need to wrap it up. So, uh, so I'm, what's I'm your number four off. then? Uh, well, I, I told you, it's, it's Chris Squire. Oh, we had, right. We had an exact yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't write it down. Yeah. My fault. Yeah, that's okay. We're good. Uh, oh, okay. So we're, we're ready for your number Trim three. the top three. Yeah. So top, it's real so serious So number now. three yeah. is one you're not going to expect me to put on here. Okay. But I felt he deserved it, even though I'm not a huge fan of the band. Okay. I have to give credit where credit is due to a phenomenal player. So uh, number three is Flea. Okay, yeah, not on my list in my honorables. Yeah. But so, uh yeah, that you know that flea, is unexpected. Uh well, and you know, and I I didn't expect it either, but the more I thought about it, I really couldn't figure out a way to leave him off the list. Yeah. For a while I couldn't figure out where to put him. Sure. Because it's not necessarily a personal pick, it's more of a well this guy should be on their sure. list. Yeah, it's, it's it's it more than it's surprising to me that he's on there. It's surprising that he's at number 3. You know, for, for you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, again, I'm trying to do my list logic. When I made the end of the list, I tried to logic out, like logic it out a little bit. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, Flea. Everybody knows um, Higher Ground. Everybody's yeah. heard it. Stevie Wonder song. Stevie Wonder I mean, song. You know, but the original but, was done a little more on the organ than. Yeah, you know the, the Chili Peppers yeah. version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. you know the Chili Peppers version. One of the um, songs I learned when I was learning slap yeah. bass. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, slap bass master. Yeah. Uh, but you listen to a lot of the early Chili Pepper stuff. Pretty much Blood Sugar Magic, Sex Magic on back. Blood Sugar Sex Magic, yes. Blood Sugar Sex <laughs> Magic. Hard to say. Yeah, it on really back. is. It always has been. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, it's mostly nuts. Yeah. You know, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was the first one where they kind of reined it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the stuff is just crazy, and Flea is all over the place. Yeah. It's funk and roll. Yeah. Um, it's just all... Oh, and how good is Aeroplane? It's, uh, well, true. Yeah. You know, it's a, there's a lot of just uh, really just nuts, bonkers stuff. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I personally like the Mother's Milk album quite a That's my favorite That's Chili Peppers album. album. That's a great um, album. Uh, Taste of Pain, great song. Yeah. Um, you know, so much good stuff. But, you know... Um, um, so much good stuff. Another one, Behind the Sun. Kind of a calmer song from back then. That's on the uh, Upfit Mofo Party Plan, which is... Okay, not as familiar with that. Which is the best album title I've ever had, yeah, it in is my pretty opinion. Good. Yeah. Um, Behind the Sun, great. Google that, listen to that. Great, great song. Just it opens up with this cool little riff, um, the little bass riff. Sure. Very cool. Um, you know, and yeah, the later Chili Pepper stuff, it's more popular. It's a little bit more subdued. People dig it. He's still a great player, still great musicians. 
Um, not my cup of tea. I didn't sure. like Californication and all that. Sure. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Um, give me my old weird chili peppers that I discovered that band one night when I was at a party uh, with people who were well older than me that I should not have been at this party at all, but they were playing music. That's the best that's way to get into them. Where I discovered uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and um, Big Black. Wow, um, Big Black. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, so that's it was a like, different episode. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, um, I don't know even what else to say, but... Uh, quality player. Everybody yeah. knows how great he is. I mean, when they do the more subdued stuff that they're doing now, sure, he's got that groove in, locks it in. If you listen to the old goofy stuff, um, it's just a nut bar party, and that's fantastic too. Yeah, I have not seen them live. I don't know what their live shows are like now. If they're, I saw them if back they're in the all 90s. the uh, yeah, but they were yeah. still. Then they were still doing some of the weird stuff. They had that one not one hot minute record, which was nuts. Yeah, that w- uh, let's see when. I'm trying to remember. I think that's that the tour was, that you were. That might be the tour saw that I saw. Them, yeah, because they were still doing a lot of the goofy stuff. I don't know if they still do that or not. I yeah, I don't know. Would be interested to find yeah. out, but I don't want to buy a ticket in case that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know um, that there were. Uh, I, I haven't sworn yet in this episode, so I'm going to try not to. Uh, I know that there were strategically placed socks involved mm-hmm. at one point. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's the era that I saw them in. Yeah. So they were. Uh, yeah, these used to be like absolutely crazy, and now they're not. But yeah, um, or still at least less so. Less so, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just they were so crazy. I don't realize how crazy they are now. Right, it could be. Um, and I haven't really listened to a lot of the stuff, so sure, I just uh, hit. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's my bad. Hmm. Maybe I should do a little more listening. I don't know. But uh, either way, uh, Flea is a great bass player. There's no denying it from anybody. So uh, that. that's why he's on the list. Yeah, there that, you go. that's a good choice. Uh, well, I mean, again, in my honorable mentions, but otherwise, uh, like, he just wasn't on my radar for the Fab Fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a really interesting choice, especially that high up on the list. Uh, my number three is somebody nobody knows. Uh, this is absolutely a personal choice, but he's one of my top influences, and I had to have him on the list. My number three is a guy named Michael Mannering. That makes sense to you, yep. Yeah. See, you know him because I know him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the reason. Uh, Michael Manring in the 90s, uh, I was a subscriber to Bass Player Magazine, and uh, Michael Manring was a guy that was known in largely jazz communities at the time and was kind of, you know, a session guy and mostly known among, like, the Wyndham Hill people. He was, you know, a, a, a session guy, a jazz guy. That's sort of what he was known as. In the 90s, he put out an album called Thonk, which was named after, I believe, a medieval instrument that nobody has seen in years and years that makes sense for a guy who has since played a lot of prog music, you know. Um, and that was featured in Bass Player Magazine. And I was a subscriber and, like, didn't know that at the same time that I was reading it, my dad, well, our dad, if, if, if I may, our dad sure. uh, would sure. occasionally pick up an, an issue and thumb through it as well and just kind of go, oh, what's in here, you know? Uh, and he had read the article about Michael Manring's Thonk album that was in there and just thought, this is really interesting, and I think he needs to hear this, and he... Like, went out of the way to get me a copy of the Thonk record. And uh, went out of his way, I guess I should say, to get me a copy of the Thonk record. And I listened to it, 
And it was genuinely one of those moments where everybody who works in performing arts in any way, shape, or form has this moment with somebody. I heard it, and I went, oh, I have to build a statue, and it has to be of him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it was, it was one of those moments. Yeah. Listening to Michael Manring was one of those things that just opened up my brain to the bass in a way that it, it couldn't have opened otherwise. The Thonk record, which is hard to find now in physical... In uh, physical... Uh, Product? Thank you. In physical product, it's almost, you know, unfindable. I've got a copy or two because I'm me. But it's, it's you know, it, it was released like once, you know? And one of the copies that I have is I have because Michael Manring put it on his website that, hey, I found a box of these. Does anybody want one? And I said, yes. And he, like, autographed a Post-it note and stuck it on the inside. I remember you getting that. You know? Yeah. And, like, I still have that. And I was yeah. so excited. You know, like, I didn't even know that he was autographic. I was a co I was in college at the time. I was away in college at the time in 1998. And, you know, got it in the mail. I was like, he autographed it! You know, uh, it was just one of those moments. Uh, and I've since interact interacted with him on Facebook a few times, and he's still a great guy. Nice. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but he, uh, uh, like, that album just changed how I thought about the instrument, changed my life. The uh, for those who for those checkmates who have looked into my musical career, uh, the departure album that I did wouldn't have happened if I weren't a Michael Manring fan, uh, mm. and especially a fan of that album of, of of Thonk. If you can find that, listen to it. Uh, he's just one of those next level players that uh, he releases albums every now and again that are just bass solos of him sitting and playing and. It's just the bass, but there's so much going on that you could think otherwise. There's mm. no overdubs, but you would assume that there are. Interesting. You know, he just he just writes incredible stuff, just mind blowing stuff that to this day I listen to and I go, yeah, I've been doing this thirty years and I am just not on that level. Wow. Yeah, he's just one of those players that like, okay, I I I'm just I I've had to accept and I'm never going to get there. There's places I'm going to get. There's places that I have gotten. I'm a really good bass player. I'm never going to get there. Yeah. Like, he's just one of those Mount Rushmore guys. Like, if I had my way, Mount Rushmore would be one guy, and he'd be in. Like, he's 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 that that next level and that good. Cool. I have two guys above him on my list, mm -hmm. but if I had to, Michael Manring's my guy. You know? Very cool. Uh, so I, I know that you don't have anything to add to that. You've heard some of I them in my nothing, car over the years. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've what I heard I liked, but, you know, um, no, I have nothing to add. Um, although you are a really good bass player, so that's well, good. People you. should check out um, some of your stuff and pay attention to the bass and then uh, email you about it. Am, am only, I your number only three? Positive, only positive. Am I your number three? I thought about it, but no, because <laughs> oh. that was Flea. We oh, already oh, did right. number three. Oh, shit. Am I your number two? <laughs> no, but I thought about it. Okay. <laughs> I almost that I, I almost did that, that. I almost did. I was very close to just putting you on just to see what your reaction would be, but then I thought, that's really sweet and really lame at the same time. <laughs> I was gonna, that, that would be such a sweet gesture, I wouldn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, right. Like, I would just leave. <laughs> like, you know what? That's why I didn't do it. The house is yours. I'll see you. <laughs> that's why see I did a couple of years. That's why I didn't do yeah. it. It's like you know, that's really sweet and also really just weird. Yeah. So, um, uh, but uh, but you well, know, but your intro music is based at the that's bite true. The yeah, bite the habanero, habanero. which yeah, bite is the habanero. Uh, you know, it's a great o opening for this. Oh, thank show. you. So yeah, 
So yeah, no, I've always uh, been a fan of your playing too. So well, in that go. case, I get to look forward to your number number two, two and number one then. Okay, so, so number two and number one, we have the same guys. I'm okay, ninety nine point nine percent sure. Okay, it's just a question of which which order we put them in. Uh huh. Now maybe we don't. Maybe you pulled a fast one on me. I don't know. <laughs> but um, so after what was literally a coin flip. Wow. Because I couldn't decide who to put one number one and number two. Uh-huh. I had two guys. I flipped a coin. And number two, and I'm starting to regret it, is John Entwistle. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's, he's on my list. Mm-hmm. He's not my number two. So, I've, yeah, so I know exactly how it went. I mean, do we just want to say it? Your yeah. number one is Getty Lee. My sure. Num- my number one is John Entwistle. Yeah, my and like I say, Getty Lee. Yeah, like yeah. I say, it was a coin flip. <laughs> I literally flipped a coin because I was so back and forth on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could just we're we're gonna focus talk, on John. Let's talk about both of them, but yeah. yeah so well, yeah. So let's talk about John first, I guess. Sure. Um, but without John Muscle and Muscle, there wouldn't be a Getty Lee. Uh, yeah, that's why he's which is probably yeah, what one. I should have yeah. thought of earlier today yeah. and switched when, it. When I met Getty Lee, I was wearing a Who T-shirt because I knew yeah. you'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's yeah, it's it's hard not to it's it. People out there who don't understand the bass have no idea how hard it is not to talk about both of them at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They both redefine um, the instrument. But yeah, Getty Lee wouldn't exist without John Entwistle. But I mean, let's focus on John because you yeah, said John. Yeah, and Entwistle. actually, honestly, you probably should throw Jack Bruce into that track. Well, sure. Too. I wish yeah. I should have put him up higher. Yeah. Anyway, well, so should I. Really, he's my number nine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Anyway, John Entwistle, yeah. bass player for the Who. Yeah. The only guy that could really do it. Yeah. I mean, they have made records since, and they're good records, and they have bass players that are very talented bass yeah, players. Yeah, Greg Lake, Pino Palladino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not John Entwistle. Yeah, no. Just not. Nobody is. Um, John was able, had the... Uh, when everybody else was bashing away and making the most ungodly noise they could come up with and <laughs> still call it a song, yeah. Entwistle... Stayed in place, played the song that was supposed to be played, and used his classical training to bring everything into uh, and make it make it have it make sense. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, you know, not only was he able to play uh, just astounding bass lines. Yeah. You know, he could play the blues song. Yeah. That's fine. The uh, early stuff, the pop art stuff. Wasn't good enough to be pop, but it was artistic, so we let it slide. Yeah, um, I'm speaking here of the entire My Generation album. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. Uh, up through Sells Out, really. Sure. But yeah. um, he was able to play that, uh, get his lick in. I mean, even if he'd never done another song other than My Generation, yeah, you know, he's still up there. Yeah, top. for I. I, I... I don't know how many decades, including today, people have no idea that they're hearing a bass solo in my yeah. generation. You know? Multiple just, bass solos, I guess. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that and, uh, you know, the bass on 515. Yeah. Um, just so many. The Real Me? Songs, Real Me. Yeah. That was, that was one that I'd uh, written down. Yeah, that's, a, that's um, kind of my go-to if you want to. Yeah, I mean. If you really want to hear what he can do, Real yeah, Me. Yeah, so... Uh, so many though just so many different things i mean even a lot of the stuff on who's next yeah um, oh yeah him just going playing through yeah under i mean uh, the uh blind to bargain yeah uh you know just fantastic stuff um you know and he had a really weird 
wicked sense of humor. Yes. I mean, in Boris the Spider is a silly song. Yes. But it's also kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that uh, bass line, the descending bass line in it. Is, yeah. Is, is do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, just so cool. You know, uh, you can say no one else could have gone toe-to-toe with Pete Townsend and Keith Moon at that time. Yep. And Keith Moon, God knows what he was playing. Well, I Keith mean, Moon was, was very locked into Pete. Yeah, so, yeah, they were... They and, were and also the vocal track. He wasn't paying attention to the bass at all. Yeah, they were yeah. all... They were very much taking a flight of their own. Yeah. And John had to, you know, had to ground that sucker. Yep. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's sort of symbolic that John used to talk about how, you know, you've got Pete Townsend running around the stage, swinging his arm around, jumping and, you know, flailing. You've got Keith Moon, you know, exploding out behind the drum kit, you know, throwing his arms around, throwing his drum kit around. The best thing I could possibly do was stand absolutely still. Yeah. That sort of also symbolizes, in a way, his function in the band. Oh, he sure. was the guy that was there holding the whole nightmare together. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was the one that was actually playing the melody. <laughs> you know? Yeah, most of the time he was, yeah. Um, you know, and he held it together and also, like I say, got in amazing yeah. parts. Yeah. It says a lot of times, you know, Pete instinctively knew to just play power chords for a while. Yeah. And that's when it was um, John's time, John's time to, to shine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. and he took full advantage every yeah. time. Yeah, um, one of the amazing. one of the things that jumped out at me in in recent years, and uh, I think 2019 we saw the Who for the first time with a you know full symphony, uh, right. over there at uh, whatever they call Riverport now. What was it? Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, I guess. I think, yeah. At yeah. The time. Um, they like part of the Who show there. They had a full. Uh, I said symphony, but orchestra is probably the right word mm-hmm. uh, behind them. Part of that, they did like a Tommy set and they did like a Quadrophenia set. And during the Quadrophenia set, they did the Real Me as part of the as part of the the song list. And there was a moment where I was dialed in and listening, and I heard, "Oh, the entire orchestra minus the bass player just played John's part." Yeah, yeah, like they needed an entire orchestra to play mm-hmm. John's part because like that's that's the room that he took up. Yeah. Like there are there are bass players and there are bass guitarists. John Whistle was a bass guitarist. Fair. Uh he uh, when I I remember distinctly we were in a band together called Uncle Dick mm-hmm. uh and made a fledgling attempt at playing the real me and I had about half of it. You know, but uh we in that band, like when we were working together, John John Entwistle passed away during that time. And I remember, like during that, I closed down our website for a few days. Mm-hmm. And I just put up a tribute to John Entwistle. And, uh, you know, Irish Jack always called The Who the only band that ever mattered. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of like, Uncle Dick is closing down our website for a few days in memory of the only bass player that ever mattered. Yeah. And I still feel that to this day. Yeah, I forgot we did that song, yeah. honestly. I... Just briefly. We never did it live, no, it... but we toyed around with it in rehearsals and, and whatnot. Never, never got there. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. And uh, uh, that was one of the things that, like, as a bass player, that was one of my proudest moments that, like, I can play the real me. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I don't care what anybody else says about me as a musician. I can play the real me. Yeah. You know? And uh, that that keeps kind of, yeah, in, in some of my 
lower moments as a musician, I have that uh, thing of like, I know I can play that. I know right. I can. <laughs> I know I can do this. You know, because every musician has a moment where they're in in a recording session or whatever, and they're having trouble playing just C G D C G C D. Like can't get that down for some mm-hmm. reason. You know, and okay, I I I'm having trouble with this. I can still play the real me. Yeah. <laughs> like there have been times where I've been between takes of like doing stuff wrong, and I've just sat down, grabbed a bass, and played boom, boom, down, boom, down, down, and just played the intro to the real me. And okay, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I can play a John Entwistle line, and that's all I need to know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, people uh, don't realize about making records. I mean, the you got your apart from session guys yeah. who can do it in a take or two because that's just what they do right you know making a record is playing the same passage 15 times and cursing until you get it right yeah and it's the same and it's not even the whole song it's the same passage yeah yeah it's, it's <laughs> the same like 12 four bars, bars. Yeah, you're like yeah. what is happening yeah four um, little bars yeah so yeah. that's i just just that's just an aside sorry yeah that's um, fine you, but yeah right. no I mean, we could talk all day yeah. about uh, Ed Muscle and what he meant to the Who and what he means as a bass player. Uh, yeah, just, and uh, the, I mean, you talk about next level. He's there's a reason he's this high on both of our lists. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, like hit, I said, I had to do a coin flip. Yeah, he hit one for me. It, it was it was a no brainer for me. It was okay. It, I was it, yeah, I was it, yeah, it, it was, was torn, his one so. leaves two. Mm-hmm, yeah, you know, I was that, torn was it for me. But um, I couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. It just. It was just two big, two my two two of my big geek fandoms yeah. collided, and I panicked. Yeah. Well, it so. was really that thing of like, I, I mean, there in my head there was probably a draft where I was like, well, Getty Lee's on the list. I mean, I own one of the Getty Lee signature bases. Right. Obviously, Getty Lee's going to be on my list, and he's going to be very high on it. Mm-hmm. But it was there was probably a draft in my head somewhere where he was number one. But at the same time, I went, well, yeah, but Getty Lee's favorite bass player is John Entwistle. Right. You know? <laughs> so John Entwistle is number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of how I handled it. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe and that that's, makes sense. Yeah, maybe that's a segue to talk about Getty Lee. Could be. Because, uh, you know, I mean, we've got, you've got your John Entwistle who redefined the instrument. You know, I, I, no one else was playing it that way. Right. You know? And then you've got the guy that followed on his heels, Getty Lee, who loved what he did and said, all right, let's see what else it can do. Right. You know? Yeah, Getty, I think, took it um, a step further. Sure. Um, Although not as bluesy, even though that first album is very Zeppelin-like. Yeah. Not as so much of the bluesy groove stuff so much as the... um, the more technical and the more experimental. Yeah, he was more interested in the in the theory and the practice, whereas it was all just kind of like I'm yeah. gonna actually, hit every note I can and see what it can do. Yeah, I heard you a uh, heard a uh, interview with Getty the other day, him um, saying that the one thing that he wishes they'd have changed about the early albums is to slow him down, hmm. let him breathe a little bit, and find more find a little bit more of the internal groove of the song. They were just always interested in moving forward and yeah. keeping things going that, That's you know, if interesting. that if they'd have uh you know put a little more space in them there could have been a little more groove and it would have been a more interesting you know, it could have been some more interesting but you know sure there you go um, sure so uh but you know you, the thing about getty is that he plays very technical parts yeah semi-impossible parts yeah 
um, but he plays them cleanly. Yes. And he plays them to where you hear every note he's doing. You're not guessing, is that, am I hearing the bass here? Is this a bass or is this a right. keyboard? Is this, you know, is, is the guitar, uh, is the guitar uh, you know, got some weird distortion on it or something? No. Right. Um, no matter what he's playing, whether he's playing the uh, Rickenbacker basses or he's playing the wall basses from the 80s, that real tinny sound Oh, yeah, sure. Um, no matter what version A lot version of Fender's he's, in there, too. Yeah, there's Fender's in there yeah. as well. So no matter what he plays, he is sure to play it to where you are going to hear that bass in the mix, no matter what the mix is, and yeah. you're going to hear that part pristine like it's supposed to be. Yeah. And very few people can get that pristine with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Ed Muscle wasn't as pristine with it. He That's was, true. I mean, he could do it, and he was right on it, but he would still be a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more feel and Getty yeah. is more the technician. So you get the two sides. You get the yeah. technician and the um, person that is more about the feel, but yeah. there are two sides of the same coin to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of happy that we're talking about it this way because, if I mean, in my heart, it's 1A, 1B. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It and is then, a coin toss. You know, or, and then, yeah. you know, Getty playing the, well, you know, Getty plays keyboard as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Atwell played French horn. Yeah. So when to Getty. But <laughs> yeah, sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's fair. Sorry, any French horn players out there. But no, we'll there's nothing wrong with the French horn. It's fine. It's a good instrument. I no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> I like the way that uh, they, they used it, that uh, John Entwistle used it. He used it a lot. Yeah, that's you know? true. And it, that's sounded, true. and it sounded good. It was cool. Um, but, you know, that's just keyboards win. Um, yeah. They just do. So they, Well, um, they can do more sounds. They can do more sounds, you know, and he was be able to, you know, and he's programming in bass pedals. He's playing with his foot while yeah. he's playing the keyboards. I mean, yeah. the guy is a monster. He's insane. And he's yeah. so... Uh, just laid back and so modest, but he never played the rock star role very much. No, at least yeah. not well. Yeah, no. You know, <laughs> I don't think he had um, any attention to. No, I mean, I you mean, know, you know, a guy who's the child of two Holocaust survivors. Yeah, you know, there, I mean, there might be heritage reasons that he doesn't care that you don't like his voice. You know, right. uh, he, he might he might have the perspective of you know, there's there's so many horrible things that are that have happened and are happening in this world. Let's uh-huh. go out there and play some music and have some fun. Yeah, and exactly. Just, you know, be you know, be people who like being around other people. You know, he, he seems very humanist in that way. Sure, you know, and, and yeah. is serious. Like the ego never grabbed. He, he seems to enjoy the money, but the ego never grabbed a hold of him. Yeah, right. You know, and the uh, you know, and as serious as a lot of those early Rush records were, there was humor hidden that you couldn't. Oh, find. absolutely. And then they let the humor come out in the. I guess the late 80s, you started letting the humor come out a little bit sure. more. And then, you know, by the end, it was half comedy show, half concert. But, yeah, yeah. Less um, music, more comedy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, As I believe know. Neil himself said. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's the uh, Grace Under Pressure tour when they started having the ACTV characters introduce songs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Count Floyd's on, their, you know, on the <laughs> yeah. screen. It's like, what's going on? Um, and by the end, it was Jerry Stiller just getting ready to go to a rock, uh, rush show. Right. <laughs> uh, I hope they play Bangkok. Yeah. <laughs> Just craziness. Um, it's awesome. So, uh, but but that's a lot of Getty Lee too. He was in charge of a lot of the uh, the videos. He had yeah. a big hand in that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, just such a human guy. Yeah. You know, um, down to earth. Well, obviously he's a human guy, but uh, <laughs> such, so uh, one you would know, hope. Yeah. Yeah, down to earth. Um, you know, just effortlessly cool. Yeah. 
by not being cool. Yes. That's, you know, how great Getty is. And, yeah. you know, like I say, just from, and so many people try to learn his bass lines. I haven't even tried. It's like, I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, but um, so many people try to learn his stuff and are proud because they can play Fly By Night or whatever right. it is they can, you know, so, yeah. Um, I can play Fly By Night. I'm sure you can. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that. No, it's it's one of those things that, like, as as a bass player, yes, I've tried to learn a lot of his stuff. And I believe I've learned a lot of his stuff. And then I, like, watch live footage of him or I go to a concert. Uh, I guess I would have went to a concert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, watch him play it and go, oh, I, I'm i not playing that right. Yeah. What, what's he doing? Wait a minute. What? You mm-hmm. know, like, he... he and then it's know, over and he can't see what he did. Exactly. But he, Getty Lee is one of those guys who, if you... If you want to test him on musical knowledge, if you want to test him on time signatures, on technique, on all that stuff, he will lap you. <laughs> like he mm-hmm. he is next level educated on all of the theory that he needs and all of that stuff. But also like this is a guy who has so much fun doing all of that. Like he mm-hmm. knows all of the technique, but he also just like, all right, I, I, all that's there and all that's informing what I'm doing, but let's go out there and have a blast. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And like, I love that about watching. And that's that. That, by the way, describes all of Rush. Even though Neil Peart was very serious in his approach and had to be because he had to be right on the beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of Rush, any of those guys, you look at them, and those are guys who are just in it for the fun and just want to experience the joy of like hey we're gonna go out with some of our best friends and we're gonna like play songs this is gonna be awesome yeah you know you know i mean there were very we happened very to be the best serious. musicians in the world right very serious <laughs> but, in the studio yeah. and you know took the live gig serious they had to play it they had to be right on it yep and they got better with age they never sure. they, they was not that was not a band that hit a certain level and stayed there. Right. Or they got a pushing. little bit worse. They got yeah. better they as they went pushing. on. Yeah. Um, you know, might have an off night here or there, but sure. got better as it went on. So just depends. And this is one of the few bands, probably the only band on this list, where the guitar player is the one that gets overlooked. Yes. Because, you know, you got Love the best... You've got the greatest yeah. drummer, or, uh, well, we haven't done our drummers list yet, but... Yeah, we'll get there. One of the greatest drummers, he'll the, anyway. He'll be in the top five. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the top... One of the greatest drummers. Some, yeah. some would argue best, some would say near. Yeah. One of the greatest drummers in the world, one of the greatest bass players in the world, yeah. and you're stuck playing guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter that in any other band, you know, Alice Laffin would be considered a genius. Yeah. And would be just, you know, the, this guy is the best, you know, and nobody cares. Cause well, to people who are there. real Rush fans, he is considered Oh, sure. That. I'm just talking yeah. overall. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, no, I as love As far as radio great. hits. Yeah, yeah, radio or just a... Your casual the, listener. Casual to public knowledge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... That's the thing. That's uh, that's kind of a weird juxtaposition from well, and I love everything how else they, we've been talking about. I love how they know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, if we make a Fab 15 of you know, any of these given players, spoiler alert, all those guys are on those lists. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Uh, I mean, it, 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 I, I understand why that was a coin flip for you, because Getty deserves to be talked about as a number one. You know? Getty definitely followed in the footsteps but it's it's one of those things like you you uh anybody who goes to you know grauman's chinese theater like tries to stand in the footsteps of their heroes you know mm-hmm. and you kind of go oh well maybe john wayne's footprint is a little bit bigger than mine but you know whatever getty lee filled those footprints 
Yeah. You know, he was absolutely the legacy to what John Entwistle started. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, those guys deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. It's almost absolutely. hard not to. I'm glad that yeah. we landed this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Entwistle uh, was your number two. Getty was your number one. Reverse that for me. Getty was my number two. Entwistle was yeah. my number and one. Yeah, and like I said, just two sides of the same coin. Yeah, so you I can't... mean, at the same time, there is a John, John Entwistle signature base out there. I own the Getty Lee one. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that's... I mean, not well, least just of which you don't because, want to have to keep buying the gold string. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's that, and also I think the John Entwistle signature base is uh, like three thousand dollars, whereas the Getty Lee base was not. You right. know, I mean, there's there there are reasons, but uh, I mean, you know, I I said earlier to me, John Entwistle, the only bass player that ever mattered, because mm-hmm. everybody else on my fifteen, you know, follows in his footsteps, you know, and Getty Lee is hot on his heels. Yeah, you know, but I, 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 that just makes sense for number two and number one in whichever order you want. That's actually going to be an interesting. Oh God, I have to eat a sandwich. Yeah, my my number one is was it was sold by your number one is Getty. Oh yeah, I have to eat that sandwich that I promised at the oh, start. Oh no, thing. you have to eat a sandwich. That, 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 I, Whatever I will you do. do, it's so late. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have heartburn. Uh, oh. uh, it, it, Wait, it, can I pick the sandwich? Sure. I, well, within reason. <laughs> oh. Within reason, it Darn has it. to be an actual sandwich <laughs> that someone would eat. <laughs> um, Peanut butter and Cheerios. I'd do that. Yeah, Melody did too, but she didn't mean to. <laughs> that's a long. That's a, that's a story for another time. Yeah, take one that of out. His daughters. Yeah, one of my daughters. Know. Well, she was joking. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, my wife said, oh, we're going to make any sandwich. I have to come up with some new toppings for you. And she said, what, like Cheerios and peanut butter or something? And uh, she was joking. I'd eat that. Wife did not know she was joking. Because <laughs> she's, well, she likes peanut butter. She likes Cheerios, I guess. That sounds weird to me, but okay. Sure. So she went to school with a peanut butter nice. Cheerio sandwich. Nice. I'd eat that. And it wasn't bad, apparently. Yeah, I, so I, there I, you go. I could see that. Um, yeah, sure. That was a story I did not need to tell, but that's it's okay. It's fine. I'm going to eat that sandwich later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, it, 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 it makes all kinds of sense to me that we talked about both of them at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I look forward to eating that sandwich. Uh, we have some work to do to compile our, our final 15. Sure. You want to do some honorable mentions? Uh, but, yeah, I was going to say, but first let's get some honorable mentions out of the way. Uh, my list is crazy long, so let's start with yours, which I'm sure is briefer. Yeah, I, uh, purposefully stopped sure. at just a few. Yeah. Um, so we've already talked about two of them. Yeah. Uh, John Deacon and David Hood. So we talked about them. Um, so the other people I had on my list, uh, Bill Wyman. Okay, good. Um, just for, you know, when you want to talk solid bass player. Yeah, weirdly, not even on my on my honorables. That's oh. an oversight. Yeah. So, um, you know, Rolling Stones. Sure. You know, solid. You have to be solid if you're playing in a Rolling Stones. Absolutely. It's all about rhythm. So, um, so I you know got a few licks and you know Miss You is a great bass song yeah. from them. So yeah, yeah. So Bill Wyman, uh, Stephen Egerton from Descendants. Oh, good. Yeah, um, I've, I've just, got uh, I've got like all of the Descendants bass players on yeah. my list. So, so just <laughs> for just everything from him, right? Yeah, um, this is it's all cool. Um, so those were good. Um, another one that I think people overlook him as a bass player because of everything else he's done. He's done that's been so pretentious, but Sting. Oh, okay, not on my list. That's uh, interesting. But if you listen to the early police stuff, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. it's a little yeah, bit reggae-ish, it. but um, they went from a punk band to a reggae band to a pop band. Yeah, and uh, he had some really cool bass lines. You know, I sure. was, uh, 
I heard some police stuff the other day and kind of went on a little bit of a of a YouTube binge, hmm. um, and was like, "Wow, I forgot how good Sting was back, you know, before yeah. he became what he is now. I forgot how great of a bass player he was." Interesting. So that was that. But um, the uh, the one that really broke my heart to leave off, yeah, was Muzz Skillings. Uh, yeah, Muzz is on my from honorables. Living yeah. Color. Yeah, I mean, he's just, on my honorables too. I, He's one of the first ones on my honorable mentions. I mean, I saw, and I, that just broke my heart to take him yeah. off because I first great. saw Muzz. I saw, I saw Living Color, nineteen ninety, I think it was on With the Vivid Tour, eighty nine or no, yeah. well, I saw, that was ninety three. Oh, okay, so you're, okay. I don't remember who opened for Living Color the first time I saw him in eighty okay. nine or ninety, whenever it was. Okay, it's after the Vivid album had just be, just become huge. All right. Uh, Mississippi Nights, so there's hold 700. I'm sure there were a thousand people in there. Sure, we were packed in so tight. Sure, middle of winter, snow. Um, yeah, we all went to the show, and Muzz was fantastic. It was probably the first time I really, in a live situation, dialed into a bass player. Cool. Um, and he was one, you know, getting the crowd pumped up and jumping around. I mean, Corey Glover was, you know, singing his heart out, and then yeah, I mean, the whole band was fantastic. Muzz was great. You listen to uh, anything on Vivid, that'll do it. And he was also on uh, Time's Up, the Time's Up record. Yeah. And um, Love Rears Its Ugly Head. Listen to the bass on that. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's doing a lot of doubling, but he's doing a lot of the other stuff too. Sure. So uh, just loved Muzz. It was a great, great show. That show, they did, I think, two or three encores. Yeah. And had to end with a bunch of... Um, with a slower song or two because we would not let them leave it was <laughs> nice. just people were just going there there would have there might have been a, a winter time riot <laughs> if they had ended on cult of personality left that would because it was just crazy it was nuts hmm. um but yeah muzz um and i don't think he's done a whole lot not a ton outside no. i mean he's yeah. done stuff but nothing yeah. um really that captured the public in any way um, yeah i looked but, into him not long ago and yeah uh but yeah great great bass player and uh yeah you know, yeah it was like i said it was a heartbreaker to leave him off for sure yeah yeah um and i think everybody else i mean you mentioned a few of the others so i think we're i think i'm just gonna call it there and just let you go on and i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll chime in when i need to okay i'm going to be as brief as i can sure. i have several names but i'm gonna try to just blow through a lot of them uh, maybe the one that I need to talk about the longest is the first one that I'm going to... Well, no. Actually, you know what? The second one I'm going to mention, I, I need to talk about the longest. But uh, the one that was my number 15 that I went with Tommy Peterson instead. Mm -hmm. uh, real heartbreaker. I left off Lemmy. Yeah, I thought about yeah. that, too. I Actually, that should have been a that should have been a honorable mention for me, too. Yeah. Because Lemmy played bass like it was a guitar. Yeah. Out of guitar amps. Yeah. Yeah. Let and, me kill uh, Mister from Motorhead, for yeah. those who don't know. Just, uh, uh, yeah, changed metal bass playing. Yeah. Certainly. Even yeah. though they weren't technically a metal band, they were. But yeah. they weren't He's uh, the guy that was the other reason I bought a Rickenbacker. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, God bless Let Me Kill Mister. Mm -hmm. We miss him every Christmas Eve, which is uh, his birthday. Yep. Uh, every Christmas Eve, I wear a Motorhead shirt to the family Christmas gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, I I adore Lemmy. I have I bought the Motorhead uh, Let Me Kill Mister signature guitar strap to yeah. put on my Rick. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I I love Lemmy. Uh, I went with Tom Peterson because of the innovation of the twelve string bass. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, everybody, yeah. please know that Lemmy, in my heart, is on the list. Oh yeah, Lemmy is on everybody's part. Yeah. I mean, this day, walking embodiment of rock and roll and a living middle finger to the establishment. So, yeah. well, not anymore, but he was. Yeah. Well, you know, I think he still he still is, is kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Lemmy. It, it, yeah, it, big big ups for Lemmy for me too. Yeah. Given that we're us, we had to talk about Lemmy. Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead and move on. Yeah, I've got a handful. Uh, this first one on the honorable mentions after Lemmy, I guess. I've got to spend a little bit of time with. Uh, I have to give a little bit of love because when I was a teenager, I was taught how to play this song, and it has come in handy so many times over the years. I can't even tell you. Like, I, I can't quantify how happy I am that my bass teacher at the time, whose name is Mike Franzel, God bless Mike. Taught me how to play Hotel California. I have to give a little bit of love to Randy Meisner. Okay. Because uh, that is one of those bass parts that holds that song together, that defines that song, and uh, uh, you don't even realize... Because everybody thinks about that outro solo with the right. two guitars playing the... Mm-hmm. Just playing the same part. Which, by the way, two guitars playing the same part, not that hard to do. Uh, but the bass, the bass part throughout the rest of the song is the melody of that song. And, like, the fact that I learned that when I was 13, 14 years old, whatever I was, it's come in handy well into my 40s because everybody tries to play Hotel California. Some people do it kind of okay. And I nailed the bass part because, you know, I was taught it decades ago. Sure. And it's one of those great bass parts that makes you think about the instrument a little bit differently and how it fits into what all the other instruments are doing. So I had to give a little bit of love to Randy Meisner on that. Uh, I I don't... I mean, he wasn't a a Fab 15 contender, but that song is. Sure. You know? Uh, If we were doing Fab 15 bass riffs, which is a completely different list, that's that's in my top five. It's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spoiler alert for a couple of years from now, maybe. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) When we're struggling with ideas and we're like, "Uh, Fab 15 numbers... Between 1 and 15, uh, <laughs> I think number 4 is really going to surprise you. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. like, You'll be shocked by number yeah. 4. Yeah, at that point, uh, uh, Randy Meisner is on my <laughs> bass riffs list. There you go. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, from here on, I can do it kind of quick. Okay. Uh, Jaco Pastorius. Uh, Victor Wooten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Levin, yep. uh, best known for King Crimson and also his work with yeah, Peter Gabriel. and all those guys. Yeah. Uh, Stanley Clark. Okay. Uh, we have to talk about Doug Pennock. Oh yeah. Uh, I I'm actually a little surprised you didn't say Doug. Pennock. I am surprised in my at myself too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kim Deal from the Pixies. Okay. I'll give you Kim, that. Kim Shattuck from the Muffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Mann. People forget that Amy Mann started as a bass player until right. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. Excellent bass player. Voices Carry, the mm-hmm. biggest hit that she had, written on bass yeah. by Amy Mann. Very cool. Love Amy Mann. Uh, Michelle, uh, oh God, I've got to get this wrong. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I've never heard her name said. Uh, it's spelled N-D-E-G-E-O-C-E-L-L-O. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm wrong Possibly. there. Michelle Negicello. Uh, she phenomenal session. She's played with everybody. She's amazing. She was a boys player for a while too. Wasn't she? No, no, you're wrong that's... because that is also she is also on my honorable mention. Gail Ann Dorsey. 
Okay. Just um, looks very I, similar. Yeah, so they're okay. Yeah, I both got, shaved I got head. Confused. Both, yeah. Okay. Very similar look. But uh, Gail Ann Dorsey also on on my honorable mention list. Uh, Dusty Hell. Yeah. Uh, not a flashy guy, but rock solid, and I loved how he described his tone. Mm-hmm. As, uh... It's, uh, yeah, my, my bass tone is like farting in a trash can. Yep. And he love was it. right. Uh, and I loved it. And <laughs> yeah, I loved no, Dusty, it. Yeah, uh, no, Dusty's a good pick, actually. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised I didn't put that in place of maybe somebody else. I didn't... Sure. I was trying to think, you know... Logical. I did. I did go with my heart enough, but Dusty sure. should be in there. Yeah, Real right. solid. Uh, yeah. I played a lot of ZZ Top, and he was rock solid. Oh yeah. Uh, Roger Waters. Okay. Despite some of his recent comments, uh, wrote a lot of really great bass Little parts. Cool bass parts. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Money lo- wrote a lot of great songs. Yeah. Geezer Butler. Yep. St. Louis guy. Geezer well, Butler. Eventually moved to. Well, yeah, you yes. lived here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lived like here. there was a while like... there in the '90s where you just see him around. Yeah, like I saw <laughs> Geezer Butler at one point, like in a Best Buy. Yeah. Talking, and I didn't say anything because he was talking to the guy behind the counter about something. Well, and also he's like, Geezer Butler. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, holy shit, that's Geezer Butler. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, I didn't lean into metal. Sure, I didn't other a lot than, either. I only I gave Steve Harris as my metal guy, but yeah. Yeah, some of the grooves on the Sabbath records are just yeah, yeah. monster. People forget how much groove oh, there was there. Okay. Yeah, geez, that is a hard one for me to cut, too. Uh, John Myung from Dream Theater. Mm-hmm. This one's a weird pull, but I think you'll end up agreeing. Uh, Murray Hammond from the old 97s. Surprisingly great. Yeah. He's sort of the secret weapon of that band yeah. and is overlooked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Really cool picking technique, too. Yeah. Thumbs and, yeah, he does yeah. A, kind of a almost a Scruggs roll picking. Yeah. Uh, with a, Using the thumb and a couple of fingers. Uh, I already said Gail Ann Dorsey. Uh, Paz, Paz Lynchin. She was on a very early version of the list. Yeah, from uh, Pixies and uh, uh, System um, of a Down. System of a Down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paz is a great bass player. She's been, See, she's my fantastic. my honorable mentions are very uh, uh, inclusive. Yes, uh, but yeah, Paz <laughs> is there. Uh, Nick Lowe, who we just saw in concert, yeah. starred life as a bass player. Mm-hmm. Uh, bass player for Rockpile. Yeah, Rockpile, and did some work with Elvis Costello and mm-hmm. uh, his own stuff, of course. Uh, best yeah. known for well, the song I mean, "Cruel to Be Kind." Sure, and Rockpile played was the same band. On multiple records. They played yeah. the Rock Pro record, they did the early Nick Lowe records, and the Dave Edmonds records. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were just all over the place, just as that, that tight unit. Yeah, Nick yeah, Lowe, people cool. don't understand, defined a lot of that era of uh, British pop. Yep. Uh, and uh, the other one that uh, I would put, quite frankly, above list, that I'm shocked, was neither of our number one. Was not on, on any of the 15 for either of us. Above list... Floyd Pepper. Yeah? Yeah. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say Derek Smalls. <laughs> that would have been as good a choice. But <laughs> Derek Smalls, yes. Okay, uh, uh, writing that in, Derek Smalls, who spells Derek the same way I do. Yes. Uh, not everybody nice. does. That's true. Uh, D-E-R-E-K. It's the simplest one, and no one gets it right. Very true. Uh, Derek Smalls. Okay, two people above list. Derek Smalls, Derek Smalls and Floyd Pepper. And of uh, Spinal Tap Sar- and Floyd Pepper of the uh, Electric Man. Sergeant Floyd Pepper. Yes. Sergeant Floyd Pepper Thank of you the Electric Man. Yes. Yeah. Um, he seems like he doesn't care about the title. No, he really yeah, doesn't. Yeah, he's fine. Um, Much yeah. like your cat. Yeah, he was, they're very true. My, my cat is named Pepper, but she's really Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. 
But so. she doesn't care about rank. And occasionally, yeah, well, she she's real. She's cool like that. Yeah. But occasionally, we'll be like, hey, Sarge, what are you kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will call her Sarge occasionally, and she sure just thing. looks at me. Sure thing. So. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's my honorable mentions. I could probably go on, but I had a ton there. Yeah. The, uh, many of whom I blew by and wanted to talk about more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we got our we got our honorable mentions in there. There's, uh, uh, folks, checkmates out there, we're going to do our, our final 15 here in, in just a little bit. We'll probably pause between now and when you hear it. But we'll, we're going to do our final 15. But uh, the bass is one of those things that you don't know how much you love it. Right. You know, you don't know how much you would miss it if it was gone. Yeah, I mean, uh, occasionally you hear a song that's bass heavy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, but then you don't think about it. Yeah. You know, when you're listening... Just tune into the bass now and again. No, yeah. not to be all the time. You know, yeah. you need a good song. You need the chorus and everything. And sure. Yeah, stuff that makes you feel happy or sure. plays to the feeling you're feeling. You know, if you're a little contemplative, if you want something slow and quiet, whatever. But, you know, when you're listening, especially to rock music, um, danceable pop yeah. or funk, blues, anything yeah. with, you know, the strong beat, dial into the bass. See what's happening yeah. there. Because even the most simplest line, bass line can be really, really cool. Yep. You know, I mean, I mean, if you want to talk about just keeping time, Cliff Williams, ACDC. Oh, good choice. I mean, oh, good choice. I mean, just keeping time. You know, How was that not in my honorable? Well, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just thought of it now. Yeah. You know? Wow. That, um, that's a good choice. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, nothing flashy at all. No. But you try keeping that time yeah. all night. Yeah. Two, two hours, two hour show plus. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and sure. The rhythms are pretty much more or less the same through a lot of the songs, but you know, inner inner metronome. Anybody just yeah. excellent. Yeah, that guy Jeez. locked in. You know, man. I mean, there were Mark Evans was their bass player before Cliff, and sure. he was he was great. So anybody that can do that, yeah, you, know, you got to give him some credit. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've handled the honorable mentions. We have a little bit of work to do to come up with the final fifteen. Yep. We have actually quite a few in common, more than I, well, I, I don't know if it's more than I thought, but it's more than, you know, we have on some other lists. Uh, we have, let's see, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine out of 15. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's almost like two thirds of the list. Uh, the ones that I have that we have in common, uh, and correct me if, if you have any that I didn't circle. Are uh, Michael Anthony, mm-hmm. Steve Harris, yeah, Paul McCartney, yep, Sir Paul McCartney, uh, Jack Bruce, Billy Sheehan, Carol Kay, Chris Squire, John Entwistle, and Getty Lee. That's already bananas. <laughs> yeah, but is is that what you also have? Mm-hmm. So we have six spaces to fill. I actually have three from my list that I would argue, and I have three from your list that I would argue. Uh, And that would make six. Well, hit me with them, and let's see what I feel like. All right. The ones from my list that I would argue are David Hood, uh, John Deacon, and Les Claypool. Those are ones I would argue. The ones from your list that I would argue for are Bootsy Collins, John Paul Jones, and uh, Donald Duck Dunn. I don't know how you feel about that, but those are the ones that I kind of, as we were talking, I, I marked. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. Do you um, have other thoughts, or? 
Do you have ones that stuck out from my list or ones that you feel like? Uh, there's a few that stuck out from your list too, but mm. um, if we're down to, we had that many matches, which is pretty good for us. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, do three from each list. That's fine by me. Um, yeah, like I said, I think Flea probably deserves it in the way that I think. Yeah, Les, that's a good point. In the way that I think Les Claypool deserves it. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's not, not a bad one-to-one. I'm not one. necessarily yeah. a fan of either band. Sure. That they're known for anyway. Or their sure. Main bands. Um, but then I don't know who to take out. Right. You know, um, yeah. I don't know how to make that happen. Outside of that, I think I, I agree with you. That's just the only thing that I would think. But again, who do you who do you take out? Yeah, Flea does. Do you I take mean, out the the. I mean, Flea and Les Claypool feel like they're in the same kind of gene the same pool area. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if we have uh, to me, it's an argument between which one of them gets on the list. If we're gonna go with basically what I said, otherwise. Okay. Uh, you know. So yeah, to to me that's the argument. Is it Fleer or is it less? Okay, you know because otherwise we have David Hood, John Deacon, uh, Bootsy Collins, John Paul Jones, Donald Duck Dunn. Right. Uh, so that's, I mean, you know, is it Fleer? Which or is, is it a less killer list in and of itself. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> uh, you make a um, yeah. You make a list of the top five. That's not a bad five. Uh, yeah, I mean, is it is it flea or is it less? I mean, to me, it's less. To you, it's flea. Right. You know. <laughs> so wh- how do we quantify that? I mean, Chili Peppers had more hits. You know. Yeah, I mean, flea is more well known. Sure. There's probably at least probably yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. More more than likely, just because of the hit factor. Yeah. Uh, so there may be more people screaming at their computer or phone or whatever. Um, about Flea, but, you know, Primus guys are hardcore, man. Yeah, they really are. Um, and they just, and they did that Rush tribute, too. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> and God bless them for it. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think they're both equally talented. They're different, but I think the talent is equal. I they're would different agree, guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, different um, genre, different... For, um, Forms or uh, whatever. Well, Flea's a little bit more interested in serving the song, uh, mm-hmm. whereas Les is more interested in, you know, everybody in, in follow me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to play something and you figure this out. Yeah. Um, you know, which I respect as, yeah. a, as a way of life. Um, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, I don't know. Do we do a coin flip on this, dude? <laughs> <laughs> we flipped a coin for, or I flipped a coin for Getty and yeah. Uh I mean, it's not not the worst idea. Uh, you, you know what? Yeah, let's flip a coin. Do you okay. have a coin? Probably. Does either of us have a coin? I have an actual coin right okay, here. Okay, what kind of coin is it? It's a quarter. It's a quarter. Okay, that's the best kind of coin. Uh, I say that you toss the coin and it lands on the table rather than in your hand. Okay. Because uh, for, for the sound, it, for the sound, and because it's fair, yeah. Uh, so then I can't lie. Yeah. So who's what? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna defer to your list and Flea is heads, less is tails. Okay. Uh, so heads, Flea goes on the list. Tails, less Claypool goes on the list. This is for this is like uh, so intense. Uh, put your bets in now, checkmates. 
Uh, Vegas odds are, it doesn't matter. Look, heads, <laughs> heads is flea, tails is Les Claypool. What do okay. we got? And uh, here let's we go. Flip it. it is tails, it. Les tails. Claypool has won. All right. All right, so we got Les Claypool on there. <laughs> I don't know That's why I took that That's going to be a harder one. mix, by the way. <laughs> um, a harder uh, list to make. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I mean, some of them have been weird anyway, so it's like, here's or the a thing. playlist to me. Here's the thing. You know that thing how uh, they tell you to flip a coin, and if it lands on one and you're and like you feel like it's not the right choice, then you know what you secretly wanted. Yeah, I really want that to be heads. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to put flea on the list? I think I want to put flea on the do list. Do you want to do two out of three? Uh, I don't think that'll matter. All right. I think I still want to be heads. Okay. I think it's flea. So all right. So we'll. Well, do... that solves that. That was that might be anticlimactic for those at home. Someone is screaming. Well, sure. Right now. Um. You know, and but you know, for the record, I was willing to go with less because you know that was that was fair. But... I was too, right up until it like until the coin landed. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's flea. We're okay. going to go with flea on the Fab Fifteen to round it out. Okay, so we got Flea on the list after the coin toss and uh, my heart speaking <laughs> where the coin failed. Uh, so we've got our, our Fab 15. Okay, now I've lost track of some things. I'm sorry. That's fine. I will read the Fab 15 and then we'll settle on a number one. Okay. So the Fab 15 that I have uh-huh. is Michael Anthony, yeah. Steve Harris, mm-hmm. Paul McCartney, Jack Bruce, Billy Sheehan, Carol Kay, Chris Squire, John Whistle, Getty Lee, David Hood, John Deacon, Bootsy Collins, John Paul Jones, Donald Duck Dunn, and Flea. Okay. Flea and Duck. Flea and Duck. Duck Flea. Duck Flea. Uh, yes. So, yeah, so we've got our Fab 15 there. That's actually... A, Really solid list. I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, out of the, you know, it's not quite 30, but out of all of the names that we listed, I mean, there are some that I still wish were in the 15, you sure. know, but we've got a pretty solid 15 there. Yeah, there's a few that I'd forgotten that you mentioned. It's like, oh, man, that really should well, And yeah. same, yeah. So, uh, so but we we are now tasked with choosing a number one, which has to either be Getty Lee or John at Whistle. Right. I should, you know, I should not have put the coin away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, it's still John. Um, I will. I, I will because 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 I, I think that. that's who who Getty would choose. Yeah, I will give you that. If without John Entwistle, there was no Getty Lee. So, yeah. Okay. So um, we're, our Ed number one is number one. All right. So our number one is John Entwistle. Okay. So to repeat most of the same list that I just said. Uh, our number one is John Whistle. That makes our number two Getty Lee. After that, in whatever order you checkmates at home are happy with, we've got Michael Anthony, Steve Harris, Paul McCartney, Jack Bruce, Billy Sheehan, Carol Kay, Chris Squire, David Hood, John Deacon, Bootsy Collins, John Paul Jones, Donald Duck Dunn, and Flea. I think we've done a pretty good job of doing service to the bass guitar. I think so, yeah. Giving a little love to the bass player, because everybody, you know, everybody loves the guitar player and the singer, and I do too. Sure. But, you know, the bass player gets overlooked. Bass players, I think, get overlooked even more than drummers do. Absolutely. So, 
Yeah, the only you know maybe the keyboard player not as much. You yeah, know? right. And or if you like, got a guy who only plays banjo. Yeah, and a couple of songs. Yeah, like you the know, guy or in like, and Sons. Yeah, the no guy one cares that, about that guy. The guy that comes out and plays horn for three songs and leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, you know whatever. Okay, I think we did. Uh, I think we did uh, God's work here tonight. <laughs> uh, uh, we have touched greatness. Yeah, or something. We've touched something. <laughs> that that sounds bad. Uh, only if you wanted to. Well, I did. Something could be anything. That's true. Yeah. That I, belongs in a t-shirt. Something could be anything. Sure, yeah. That's if good. we ever do merch, that's a pretty good I one. I like that. That's not bad. Yeah, Something that's, could that's be on anything. The, that's on the short list of merch if we ever do merch. At some point, one of us should really look into how to do merch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm uh, too, too scatterbrained, and you're probably too tired. Um, you know, I could... Uh, maybe. Okay. Well, we, we'll talk about it. Okay. Don't, you know, hold us to anything yet. But we'll No, but merch will be good. Somewhere in the background, there's a meowing McGuire. I know the sound of his voice, and yep, that was that's it. Him. I saw him. I don't know if anybody on, on the podcast can hear that, but there's a cat meowing, and Total he's a very jokes. sweet boy. Uh, Dave, thanks for being here for this. Checkmates, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it was a lot of fun for me. I, I, I've been looking forward to this list. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, uh, so thanks for being part of it. Really appreciate that. Uh, to both you and the checkmates at home. Uh, outside of that, I guess there's uh, only the stuff to say that we normally say, unless you've got anything that you want to say before we get out of here. Any un- any unspoken thoughts that you want to share? Uh, no. Okay. Good to know. All right. Noted. <laughs> uh, so checkmates, we'll say the stuff that we always say, but that we also always mean with all of our hearts. Checkmates, please remember to do whatever keeps you happy, healthy, and safe. Please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that we shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And please be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. And eat a peanut butter and Cheerio sandwich when you get a chance. Alright, fine, do that too. I guess now that's part of the sign-off. No. Alright. Just 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 for Alright. I'm sorry, that made it all sound bad, I thought. By the time uh, we might the, the music might have ended. That's a, good, that's a good point. We could be talking over the could be talking over the credits at this point. Yeah, I I, I think we're like well past the end of the song at this point. That, it's, so this it, is it's, like bonus footage. It's like yeah. the scene at the end of the Marvel movies that comes up. Yeah, like Nick Fury is going to ask one of us to <laughs> do something we don't want to do that much. <laughs> like yeah. that's. All right. Well, um, sorry, sorry, I wrecked the end of your show. <laughs> that's right. Go see the Marvels in theaters now. There you go. We'll we'll talk to you later. Th- th- thanks, I guess. Bye. Bye. <laughs>